The Solid 7 Podcast is fueled by Jocko Go. Engineered for anyone who wants to get after it in life, pre-meeting, pre-testing, pre-negotiation, or pre-mission. If you're looking for an extra cognitive or physical edge, Jocko Go is your force multiplier. With 95 milligrams of caffeine and zero sugar, the keto-friendly Jocko Go will give you a physical and cognitive boost without the crash that you experience with average energy drinks. Visit JockoFuel.com today, and you can use our promo code SOLID7, that's S-O-L-I-D-7, to get 10% off your order. Get on the path and get after it. Oh, and because lawyers exist, these statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration, and this product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Well, hello, world, and welcome back by the skin of our freaking teeth this week to the Solid 7 Podcast. We are a better-than-average podcast, if I do say so myself, and I do. We're not a show about nothing. This isn't Seinfeld, but we're also not a show about any one thing each week. I, your humble host, Kale, get together with a guest, and we talk about whatever is going on in the world that interests us. And this week, I am happy to welcome back podcast regular and supporter, all-around great guy, Mr. Jason Shorey. Welcome back, sir. Hello, everybody. It's good to be back. Appreciate you being so uh, so flexible. Man, this was we are not recording at our set time. I am not recording at my predetermined location. Uh, once upon a time, when I had a, a co-host, we did most of the recording at my house. Occasionally, we would record at his house, and we'd call that Studio B. But uh, tonight, I'm in uh, what I'm going to lovingly recall uh, Studio X, an undisclosed location that actually has internet because uh, my house doesn't right now. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm going to be honest. I was talking to Angel because we were watching it. I mean, we have a lot of friends and loved ones that are still down there in Florida. And um, we both kind of looked over at each other and, and made that very simple comment of, uh, man, I'm glad I don't have to worry about hurricanes anymore. Yeah, I mean, every place has their special little things, and uh, hurricanes just just happens to be ours down here, along with uh, alligators and snakes, and you know, uh, you know, people who will occasionally do bath salts and eat your face. It's just what we do sharks, down here. You know, I've, I saw videos of so. sharks in the streets and and alligators in driveways, and uh, yeah, it's it's actually, I guess, this week was more common than normal. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, yeah, pretty standard, actually. Well, before we, we, we'll do a full Ian breakdown here, among other things. Some of you are in Florida, and you'll just get a kick out of it and be like, yeah, that sounds right. Some of you aren't, and you'll be like, oh, holy crap, that's uh, interesting. So, uh, but before we dive too far into it, let's uh, let's crack a Jocko go here, going with, uh, you know, a Solid Seven Podcast favorite. Though, at this point, they're pretty much all favorites, but uh, hat tip to Dave Burke as I uh, open up an Afterburner Orange here. Now, remind me, you're in a bit of a Jocko go desert up there? Uh, absolutely Jocko desert up here. Um, I, I was hoping cause I'd seen that they were selling them at Walmart and, uh, no, they're not, uh, even, even like the, the different yeah, stores the- and whatnot, we don't even have the, the vitamin shops and stuff in this area anywhere near us. We probably got to drive no. at least an hour or more to find anything like that. Yeah. I, I should have rectified that and sent you some Jocko go long ago. So, uh, if you just want to give out your home address right now, um, then, uh, I'll get those <laughs> right on top of that on the way to you. No. Yeah, no, but uh, I should have it. Uh, if we were women, I would have your address, but alas, we're not. So, But for real, shoot me your address. Jacko, go on the house coming your way. We'll, we'll rectify the situation, but it I'll drink good. enough for, for the both of us. I know. So, uh, yeah, we're, 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 tried, 
Angel and I had tried the last time we were down there. Uh, we hit we hit a Wawa and got several of them. I think we tried every flavor at the time. However, uh, we have not tried any of the new improved. So I'm looking forward to being back down there again soon and uh, going to have to definitely try all of them over again and, uh, and, and see how it is. Yeah, it's a whole new world. I would say that while everything took a step in the right direction, um, I, orange and mango, I feel like, uh, are the most unchanged. They are better than they were, but they were so good already. Uh, it was just minor tweaks. Apple, which I already loved, um, somehow got even better. Uh, just everything's everything's fantastic. But we'll we'll spare the fans the the usual uh, impromptu Jack O'Co commercial since they had to listen to the read at the top of the show. Anyways, but all that to say, you can of course. Stop by jockofuel.com or originusa.com and use the promo code SOLID7, S-O-L-I-D-7, to get 10% uh, off your own. Jocko, go goodness, and uh, get yourself on the path. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, hurricanes are just a, a, a way of life down here. It's been a while since we took, um, uh, you know, a, a direct here. It's, re- it's really been since uh, Irma that we took a direct hit here in uh, Central Florida, which was about five years ago and was a pretty tame storm, kind of similar deal. Like it was coming on shore as something real serious. And that, that tends to be the way here, uh, in central Florida that, uh, the storms tend to get tamped down a little bit before they actually get to us. If they come to us, um, Charlie back in 2004 was an exception to that rule. Um, this storm got compared to Charlie a lot and they took very, very similar paths up to and including the last storm that made landfall in Florida and then followed that up with landfall in South Carolina was Charlie. So very similar paths across the state. And But Charlie was a lot smaller. It was much more compact, and it held a lot more of its punch. You know, I, I don't want to sound flippant because I know um, the damage from this storm was not even everywhere. Uh, but as a wind event, which you expect these to be, this storm was not that bad. But it was, and Jason, you'll know this. You you were were you or were you born down here? Were you a legit Florida native before you abandoned us? No, I was actually born in Michigan, uh, kind of Detroit area, and moved down there when I was five. So I, I mean, I may as well have yeah. been. Um, yeah, we probably moved here about the same time. My family moved here in '86. So yeah, it was it was right around there. I think it was '85 or once yeah. it was '85, we moved down there. So. Um, but so you know, been through some storms, and this thing put down water like nothing I have ever, ever seen. I mean, we get big summer storms here. Um, regular listeners will know I lost a, an, an over 100-year-old oak tree to lightning from a big summer storm <laughs> while recording the podcast several episodes ago and uh, luckily managed to get that thing taken down just before the storm came through or we probably wouldn't have stayed in our house because the tree was in was in rough shape. But uh, just, I mean, this thing put down over 20 inches of rain in some areas. Yeah, it's, that's bonkers seeing the difference from this one. Like it, it like you said, the path seemed like Charlie. Uh, I'm sure, like uh, most Floridians that have been around for any given time, I think it was 2004 when all the uh, crazy hurricanes. We had the several hurricanes all at the same time. Yeah, and Charlie I hit first, remember, and then and like two followed behind it. It was not yeah, helpful. I can't remember which the third or fourth one was that ended up hitting us. Uh, this the Ian seemed to be about the size of that one, and and about the speed of that one, but the intensity of Charlie, which Charlie went through quick. 
Like I remember, I remember going into at that time I was working at the hospital down in Altamont, and uh, I remember going into work because uh, I had to work overnight with that hurricane coming in and seeing the wall clouds coming in, literally rolling through, um, going down 1792 and stuff as I was heading in 436 and 1792, uh, and then literally overnight it hits. It's like two three in the morning. It's done already. We're looking at damage. Going home at like six seven in the morning. Uh, this this was definitely not that. Yeah, no. This was this was basically uh, you know a two day event. This thing was it was it was this thing was five hundred miles across. If you haven't seen the the pictures of this thing from the space station, look them up. It's impressive. You can't see the Florida Peninsula. Um, it doesn't exist. You can't see Cuba, um, which it, it crossed the tip of Cuba first, knocked out their power, and, and then came up this way. And uh, it's funny all this time here. Um, I, I learned something new about these these storms and and how they work all the time. One uh, and a better podcast host would have prepped this and committed it to memory. But there's literally this uh, this defined geographical triangle, um, kind of. I don't know if you'd call that the Caribbean, but I, I want to say it's down between um, like. Um, Cuba and South America, maybe, but it's, it's basically the, this triangle within a longitude and latitudinal grid that like upwards of 75% of storms that have hit Florida in recorded history have passed through that triangle. So mm -hmm. one, if it just, I, I mean, that's kind of not how things work. That's not how statistics work, but kind of also they do. So it's like at this point, if a storm goes through that triangle, you're like, all right, well, I'll probably go buy some bottled water. Like I'll probably, um, and which this storm did, but it's, uh, it's frustrating as a resident and this isn't, I know it's fun to make fun of the meteorologist, right? I know it's fun to knock that you can, you know, they can be wrong half the time, which also means they're right half the time and keep their jobs. It's doubly hard in Florida. Like I don't, you know, listeners, I don't know where you live and how accurate weather apps on your phone seem to be for you over what period of time. But we'll watch you, you get up in the morning and, uh, and, and, and look at the weather here and you'll be like, Oh, storms are going to start at two. And you just watch through the day and it'll shift several hours in one direction or the other. Like Florida weather is just difficult. Storms like this are, are doubly so triply so. And it's like, when you see them run these models, they're trying to model the global weather system. Like they're not just trying to figure out like, Hey, when are these scattered showers going to hit the street in your neighborhood? This isn't like local, you know, meteorological stuff there. When you see the, the Euro model and the, the GFS, that stuff, they're trying to, to model global weather. It's tough. That's a, it's a lot of data. And every time they do this, it gets a little better, but it still sucks. Like it's still crap. Right. <laughs> and so really none of those. So like where they'll be like, no, we got this right. Is like, if you look over the path of them tracking this thing, they call it the cone of uncertainty. I don't know how much people hear that if you're outside of an area that gets hit by storms like this, but the cone of uncertainty is okay. We've run all these models and this is kind of the mean. It could go anywhere within this cone. It looks like a tadpole. We'll, we'll be safe for the little ears, and we'll call it a tadpole. Um, and so like a day or so out, it's, it's very, very tight. They've got a pretty good idea where it's going. And then it gets broader and broader and broader and broader, and it'll become this big nebulous, uh, you know, just kind of blob or circle. And so like with Ian, they say, the meteorologist is like, no, we got this right. Because at any given time, the track was within the cone of uncertainty that they had projected. So it's, they're like, it stayed within the area that we said was a possibility. I'm like, well, that's kind of right, I guess. But man, with these storms, it, it seems like, and, and kudos to them, like there, there's some, you know, some of our local weather people here are better than others. Some do more hype and doom and gloom and some are like, no, we're going to present you with the facts so you can make good decisions.
I'll just out them. Uh, if you're in Central Florida, uh, I think Channel Nine is garbage with the hype, and I think Channel I think Channel Two and the team there does a much better job with weather and big weather events, and and stays away from the hype. Particularly, I'm a big fan of Eric Burris. If you're a listener and you know Eric Burris, I want him to come on the podcast. Eric, if you hear this, I would love to have you on. Um, he he just does a fantastic job, and he does his own like little side shows on Twitter that you can follow live, and it's it's fantastic. Big fan of that dude. Um, and so they just don't really do the hype. It's, it's just the data. I think, um, I think, uh, I think it has so much to do with it being a peninsula. Uh, it's very much the same up here. Like I thought the weather issues, as far as that, the weathermen and ladies, uh, the meteorologists explaining what the weather was going to be like was bad down there. Uh, and then we moved up here and I tell you what, man, like a lot of something, something that people kind of take for granted is when you look at Florida, I mean, you have this big, huge Gulf of Mexico, you have the Atlantic Ocean on the other side, uh, but people don't really grasp the size of the Great Lakes. Yeah. I mean, they are they are seas, you know, yes. and they're called lakes here, but they're seas in comparison yeah. to many others around the world. So we we are a peninsula. There's the lower peninsula and the upper peninsula. They're, they're both peninsulas, and, and they have these Great Lakes that are surrounding them. So it, it ends up being the exact same thing where they try to guess – this is what your weather's going to, it's a 70% chance you're going to get rain. You wait an hour and then all of a sudden there's no chance of rain and it just fluctuates constantly and consistently. It's so hard to, to gauge whether you're actually going to get a storm or not. And then it even, it's even worse where we're at. Um, in our town where we live, we're actually in one of the higher peaks of Michigan as well. We're at like 1,400 to 1,600 feet, and and it drops on both sides of our village and our town and the area that we live. So a lot of times you'll have this big storm system coming through, and because we're up so much higher, it literally splits and goes around our area and then reconnects on the other side. So it's it's very interesting to say the least. Yeah, so the way that plays out here with these storms is like you can watch these cones and even like the day before Ian was coming on land, they with relative certainty, the the vast majority, though not all of them because of the stupid cone of uncertainty, which I don't know, sounds it just makes me think of like cones of Dunshire or something for Parks and Rec, but um <laughs> the uh you know, had this thing just skirting up the west coast. Like it but potentially and likely maybe hitting the panhandle and there wasn't even outside chance. It was just going to go over and hit Mississippi and Louisiana, uh, which happens a lot too. And just that last day, these last minute uh, uh, turns and, and impacts kept turn, pushing this thing east and east and east. So at first they were thinking like, hey, Tampa, you're about to die. <laughs> um, not because of and again, this. It, it came, it came ashore as a category four, which that surprised them. They thought it was going to elevate to a category four and drop back down to a three before it made landfall. And it did not, it hit land as a four. Uh, but the big deal over there, um, Tampa Bay is, you know, a bay. And so, um, it doesn't sit below sea level, um, like new Orleans does, but it's still pretty much right there. And so when you're talking a storm for surge that's north of six feet, like it's pushing water from the ocean. What these things do because of the rotation, it pulls water out first 
And so, and that still happened in the Tampa Bay area, even though the storm made landfall south of Tampa Bay, uh, down around Naples and Fort Myers. Is it Naples over there? No, Naples is the other side. Fort Myers is kind of where mm-hmm. it hit. And man, is Fort Myers is freaking devastated. Oh, yeah, devastated. Uh, but even as far north then as Tampa, it was drawing water out of the bay. You see people walking in a in a dry Tampa Bay. Mm-hmm. Um, which is dumb because you don't know when that water's coming rushing back in, but you got to do it for the gram. I get it. Um, it, it. You know, it's just survival of the fittest nature doing its thing. Go out there and take your pictures. I'm fine with it. Um, but uh, so, and then that water comes rushing back in and the storm pushes water in behind it. And so you can imagine how that play. Well, you don't have to imagine how that plays out. You, you look at the, at the footage coming in from Fort Myers and it's not limited to Fort Myers, but man, is it devastating where you go back to 94 hurricane Andrew cuts across the tip of the peninsula across Miami, that whole Southern Florida area. And that was a wind event. Like it was the big bad wolf and it huffed and puffed and it legit blew the houses down. It leveled it. Fort Myers. Wasn't that a category four storm is bad. But when you, when you look at the data on this, those high winds tend to be pretty compact in the middle of the storm. So as you get farther out, it's less and less. So, but it was a, it was a water event and it just pushed, it put it dropped so much water and pushed so much water in. Um, that I meant there was just plenty of water, just, just up to the eaves on houses. It took houses off their foundations. It moved cars around just a bad, bad deal. It's, it's going to be a long recovery down there in Fort Myers. But what we're seeing that we don't normally see in Florida, we take these storms in stride all the time. Um, John Reyes back last time he was on the podcast. Can't remember why we were actually talking about Charlie and his family was without power for a long time. Uh, we ended up at, at my place without power, for about 30 hours. I don't know. It went, it, we thought we were in the clear. The storm ca- started coming through um, on, uh, gosh, it kind of all blends together. I guess Tuesday night it was really bad Wednesday. We get to, to Thursday. It's like 9 a.m. Thursday. We've still got power. We've still got internet. I'm like, we're good to go, baby. Nope. <laughs> Lights go out, come back on, go out, come back on, go out, stay out. 20, so, um, you know, Luckily, hat tip Ford, Ford Escape. I've got a, you know, an older Ford Escape. It's got an AC outlet in it in that the handbook says do not run things like vacuums and refrigerators on. Uh, yeah, bite me, Ford, because I kept my fridge alive on that AC jack uh, long enough that I didn't lose anything in my my freezer or my, my fridge, and it worked just fine. I'm not saying you should do that. The Solid 7 Podcast does not endorse that, but I'm saying I did it. And it worked okay, and my car didn't burn to the ground, and I didn't lose any of my food, which I had plenty of Colorado Craft beef uh, still in the freezer that I cooked as much of it as I could. Like before, we lost power. We ate good. I posted to social media. We ate some strip steak, steaks, and we uh, we ate some uh, some ground beef, and it was all fantastic. Um, couldn't get through all of it before we lost power, but managed to keep everything frozen, so we didn't lose any of it. But um, Jason, like, you know, you were in the area, you're out of the area now, dude, I don't, I'm sure you're seeing the footage and man, those of you that are listeners that are in Florida, you know, this outside of Florida, it's just flooding. Like we, like we haven't seen. Um, I mean, there's areas down here that are just metropolitan areas. These are not flood zones. These are not flood zones. Um, if you've ever visited, uh, the university of central Florida here in, uh, or the Orlando area, it's a massive campus. Uh, UCF bounces around having the top enrollment in the country all the time. They're not always the highest, but there's times when they are the highest. Right. They're, uh, Jay, I don't know if you know this, they were airlifting people out of apartment complexes down there because the first floors were flooded and they could not, 
uh, get out. Uh, listeners, if, if you're longtime listeners and you've heard uh, Mr. Ed on here, I one of these days, um, I need more guests that will, like you, let me use their actual names. But we've got guys like Mike Redacted and Mr. Ed that are doing uh, legit law enforcement stuff. And we just don't share their whole name just for their safety and well-being, whatever. But uh, if, if you go back and find uh, Mr. Ed, he's a, a longtime law enforcement officer, sniper, SWAT officer. Um, if you go back and listen, he's the, the one, the SWAT officer that we had on that made entry. Uh, at Pulse during that shooting. Uh, but uh, not only is he quite the hero himself, but he just raises heroes too. So his son, who's also a law enforcement officer, also also a SWAT officer. I just see this dude on TV uh, today because <laughs> legit other officers are tying a rope around him and he's swimming through floodwaters to pull this lady out of her like flooded and sinking car. That's um, awesome, man. That makes yeah. me proud. But uh, just just a lot of that stuff like we've like we've never seen. I actually we won't share the name of the creek, but I live on a creek and my so my house is on a hill because a lot of the neighborhood slopes towards the creek. That's the way these things work. Uh, but the, the level of the creek sits well below my house and I'm on uh, there, there's my house. There's the street. There's neighbors on the other side. The creek is in their backyard, but way back from their houses and sits down from their houses. So the creek's lower than their houses. Their houses are lower than my house. There's some houses behind that are higher than my house. And then the neighborhood kind of levels off, you know, it's not so graduated. Um, and so I've never, ever had concerns about flooding and I didn't get flooding. So I'm like, everything's going to flow down to the creek and we'd have to have, We'd have to have a crazy amount of water. We'd have to have an amount of water people haven't seen in centuries for that creek to get up to the houses. Well, it turns out what we just had was a 500-year <laughs> flooding event, and that that creek got all the way up to – luckily, it didn't get into, like, their living quarters, but the creek was running through uh, the my, our direct neighbors, great people. They're in a split level, and uh, – the the husband he's got an office in the lowest level and the creek was running through his office i couldn't believe it i never thought i'd see it and they were telling us today you know folks we're as we record here it's saturday right we're several days removed from the storm passing through central florida uh, officials are saying the the waterways the the major waterways rivers around here and and the you know the ones that feed into it like that creek still haven't peaked they think maybe they'll yeah. peak tomorrow because you think about, okay, I got 12 inches of rain. That's bad enough. Or I got, you know, there's areas that got 16, 18, 20 more. It's just insane. It's insane the amount of water this thing dropped. Um, but you don't think about, like, that's not staying. It's not like you got your foot of water and that all stayed on your property, right? Unless you're the low point, it's all flowing somewhere. And so that somewhere is getting way more than that, you know, what is that measurement? Is it per square foot? I think it's per square foot, right? Yeah. Yeah. Into per square. So, you know, you think that one, one feet or, or more of water per square foot. Well, okay. Over what size area is all going to, you know, those runoff ditches and ponds and then the, you know, the streams and then the creeks and then the rivers and it, and it pools there. And, uh, I hadn't seen anything like this since when I was a kid, my extended family, um, a lot of them are up in Illinois in the Quad Cities area. So the Mississippi flows through the Quad Cities. And then there's some bigger rivers around there um, that my great aunts lived by called the Rock River. And so you'd get that where flooding would work its way down the rivers. And I remember mm -hmm. regularly I'd go up there in the summers to visit family. And I'd remember the Rock River flooding 
all the time it would exceed its riverbanks and it's the Midwest. And so with them as a kid, we'd always gauge where the river was at by what cornfield had water in it. Or there was a guy that lived right down there on the banks. I remember had like his deer target out and we'd keep track of whether or not the water was above the deer or below the deer. And it just kind of brought back some of those memories. But like, even within my neighborhood, there's three or four bridges over this creek in my neighborhood. And all but one of them are closed right now because the water went over them. And once the water goes over them, you're, you've got to wait on an inspection before you can allow traffic back over them. Yeah. Yeah. So, it's I, I mean, it's, I, yeah, I, I, I've seen that movie. Um, uh, what is it? Uh, is it Evan, Evan Almighty. It's the one that's like, he builds the Noah, the Noah's Ark or whatever. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's Evan Almighty. Right. So yeah. there's there's a scene. The whole purpose is that that dam breaks and it floods the whole plain field and the the, the plain uh, that it that it sits in and and all that good stuff. And there's a river that runs through it. And there's actually a town that's I don't know maybe about 45 minutes from us. And they had the exact same type of issue where it was just tons and tons of water. Where you guys, the cool thing about where you guys are at at this point is is your water is going to recede, and and it it will be gone soon, right? Uh, for us. We had several years now, probably three or four years, where our water level was several feet higher than it was supposed to be. Like you go out to areas like Traverse City and whatnot, where we would literally we would go out and see air show like air shows. You'd have Blue Angels or the Thunderbolt, uh, Thunderbirds and stuff out there. The sidewalks where we would sit were literally feet underwater for like two, three years because you'd have tons of rain coming in, and then all of a sudden it would all freeze. And, and that freeze then keeps the water in the place because it can't saturate into the ground. So then it takes time for it to finally thaw the ground to the point where it'll saturate. But then by that point, all your snow is melting, so it keeps on increasing. And so, like, we had years of that. And, and this town, that's uh, this it's called Midland. Um, in fact, we had a close friend that was living there for a while. Um, it was, he probably left just, just before all of this stuff hit. So there was this river that ran through the whole big portion of the town from this man-made lake, but these, these dams and these levees broke and they were, they were privately owned. And so it's all still in litigation. So the, these people all had these homes that were right on this lakefront or this riverfront that is no longer there. It's like a Creek bed that now goes through it. And it looks like it was almost like a desert or something. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, seeing seeing the difference from from people changing the topographical map of, of the world, yeah, uh, and that's what Florida deals with. Is so many of the neighborhoods and stuff that are out there now still even are built on swamps. Yeah, and it's you know they'll 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 bring them up to grade, you know. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but yeah, so it's uh, it's it's going to be a long recovery for some. We were lucky, we're thankful. Um, you know, we had some water intrusion around our chimney, not a big deal. You know, our driveway washed out some. Okay, whatever. Um, you know, just uh, definitely a lot of people have it way worse. Uh, a lot of people still, a lot of people still don't have power back. Aren't going to have power back anytime soon. Um, and so it's you know it's one of those things, right? It's uh, you know there's the real popular audio from uh, Mr. Rogers talking about his mom telling him, you know, during hard times when things are bad, look, look for the helpers. Right. And so there's, there's an upside to events like this and like, obviously there's loss and there's, there's tragedy and there, there will be, I haven't heard any solid numbers yet. There's definitely going to be some loss, loss of life reported, um, from this storm, but also these are the kind of things, um, that kind of draw a community together and you'll see people helping out and lending a hand and helping clean up and, uh, you know, sharing food and, uh, you know, donating to, to help where they can. 
And so, you know, and I, we, I was talking with my son about this uh, just today. This uh, was their, you know, the first big storm that they'll remember. I think this will probably stick with both of them. I think they're old enough. Um, but we were driving through our favorite park, right? And it's lots of it's underwater and there's tons of debris on the ground. Technically, technically it's closed and there were tons of people out there playing. And I can't believe they were because there's a ton <laughs> of oak trees. Like well, not just them, but there's a ton of oak trees and stuff out there. And I'm like, guys, debris is not done coming down. Uh, and you don't, you don't want to catch a hunk of oak to the head. It's not fun. You just don't want to do it. Um, but, you know, just talking him through the lesson of like, buddy, the takeaway here is that uh, the storm passes. Like, no matter how bad things are, they will not stay that way. Mm-hmm. They, they won't. But there's also a lesson in no matter how good things are, they will not stay that way. Bad times will come. We, we think there's, there's this folly in life. There's this trap in life where you kind of get things in a good place. Work's going good. Love life's going good. You know, whatever. Health's going good. And you just want to lock it down. You're like, all right, I, I want to ride this wave. Doesn't, doesn't happen, man. Something's, something's mm-hmm. coming for you. And that doesn't mean to be fatalistic, but that means like be appreciative of and enjoy those good times because they won't last. And the flip side of the coin is don't despair and don't lose hope in those bad times because they will not last, right? You just got to push through to the other side. Like, yeah, buddy, the hurricane was bad. But now we we have the most gorgeous weather we've had in Florida right now in probably over a year. I mean, like fall came on the heels of this. Like you want to talk about a little bit of grace of God. Yeah, did this storm suck? Did, did losing power suck? Yeah, but that night we lost power uh, in in September. In central Florida, the low that night was 65. That is not normal. That is not common. The fact that we could crack the windows and sleep comfortably, and literally we have like 10 or 14 days forecast, (laughs) forecast of like beautiful weather, highs in the low 80s, and and no rain um, just to let things uh, dry out. So it's like... Hey, a lot of times, you know, I'm not going to get all woo-woo on everybody, but a lot of times that's the way it goes. A lot of times the nicest weather comes after the really crappy storm. It's just the way it goes. Yeah, kind of two things to piggyback on that. Uh, One, um, and and I've said it many times at this point, the glorious thing is, is that's a very short season for Florida, and that's like a good four to five months potentially up here of that exact same weather that you're talking about. And, man, I love it. We're just now getting into into our fall, which yeah. um, that is definitely different than yours. Uh, we've had we've had several days waking up, and it's already into the twenties and stuff when we're waking up in the morning. Uh, mind you, that is a very different feel than the twenties that you experience in Florida. Uh, the twenties in Florida make you want to die. Uh, up yeah. here, I'm I'm still in like a hoodie and jeans, and and I'm plenty comfortable because there's so much less humidity uh, yeah. to it. You know what you need in weather like that is an origin. USA heavy hoodie, which you can get with a 10% discount <laughs> with our code. No, actually you're, you're in, you're in heavy weather. You, you would get a lot of use out of that. That's not just a plug, but yeah, I'll, I'll see, uh, your fun weather and I will raise you governors, sir. So, <sighs> you know, <laughs> I know it's going to kind of pivot everything here. Man, I hate politics, Kale. I, I absolutely abhor politics and and the thing that I hate about it is you can have the worst governor in the entire in the entire country. That's what she was rated at, at part of all of these last couple of years was the worst governor at one point in the entire country. And now 
we're all of a, a month or two away from an election, and now everything is drastically changing. Uh, she's throwing money at people, free college for everybody, and uh, let me let me do this for you. Let me do that. Uh, free housing for veterans and free this for you and free that. for We're pushing this through. Like, literally, I'm getting emails and text messages from from our state government letting us know these great things that she is doing two months before the election when the last almost three years has been horrible. And it yeah. drives me nuts because it's all just a game. Well, because people have such a short-term memory, right? Oh, it's it's what have you done for me lately? Painful. I mean, we, we, we've dealt with it some down here. And the annoying thing is it's not – she's not doing that on her dime. She's doing that on your dime, mm -hmm. right? And so, like, we had – obviously, it's a pretty conservative state government down here. Not exclusively, but pretty – you know, Florida – it's, you know, it leans right, but it's mostly purple. But, you know, our state held offices have been conservative, Republican for, for some time now, governor, senator, uh, you know, whatever. But uh, not all of our cabinet positions in the state of Florida are um, appointed by the governor. Some of the, uh, or they might all be elected, which is just obnoxious, right? Like it's part of when, uh, when our country was founded or, or uh, you know, when the constitution first took effect, um, you like the president and the vice president ran separately. There wasn't even a, a run yeah. for vice president. It was second place was vice mm -hmm. president, which means your like most your most bitter rival could be your vice president, right? So you better hope your food taster, your food checker, you know, is a is a good guy, right? It's it's just a bad idea. So one of the cabinet positions that's elected down here is um oh gosh i can't remember the exact role but it's like the commissioner of agriculture but they all see they she she it's nikki freed uh, if you haven't heard of her down here um but the person in that chuck role norris for the longest time not the same chuck norris but chuck norris yeah. nonetheless like oh, oversees all kinds of things that you, you wouldn't think would fall under commissioner of agriculture like that's who's responsible for like certifying the gas tanks at the gas stations right and uh that's who oversees like concealed carry permits because, of course, why not? Um, you would think it would be like, uh, you know, Florida Department of Law Enforcement. No, no, no. Um, and so, you know, we've got a pretty conservative state government down here. And then you've got this one Democrat, Nikki Freed, that got elected to, uh, to that role. Right. So she, this is a cabinet level position here, uh, but just diametrically opposed to, to the rest of our state government. And uh, I want to see if you can remember, because you lived down here long enough, for the longest time, my whole life up until recently, all of the gas station inspection stickers in Central Florida, had they were little, and they, they were punch-outs for the date of when the inspection mm -hmm. had occurred, yeah. and the inspector's name is on them. And they had, and it like said that the state department, but that was it. And like inspected and inspected by, and for the longest time, it was the same name on all of them. I'm like, man, this dude gets around. Uh, do you remember what it was? Did it stick with you? It was Chuck Norris. No, no, that no. This, this, this wasn't, no, like this is the, the person actually inspecting the pumps. Right. So what I remember, it was something like Masur, M-A-S-U-R. That's what, the, I mean, these stickers were nondescript. This was just yeah, an yeah. indicator. This was just an indicator that this pump had been inspected. Right. Yeah. Nikki Freed came into office and let me tell you, I'll have to take a picture and share it to Instagram uh, for, for the listeners. These stickers are now like three inch by three inch. And the biggest thing on them is her name. She didn't inspect that pump. It's a campaign ad paid for with the tax dollars 
from her. It's just name recognition. It's the same reason they, they all plaster their stupid yard signs everywhere. So she put her name nice and big on a legit, like a three by three, if not four by four, big colorful sticker with my tax dollars on every gas pump in town. You want to pump gas right now, you got to look at her name. So was it super satisfying to see her running for governor and lose the primary to Charlie Crist, who is 100% going to lose the election for governor? Uh, yes. Um, it was super satisfying. Um, and hopefully that's the end of her run in state government here in the state of Florida. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just the, the thing is, though, yeah, you don't hate politics. You don't. You hate politicians. You hate politics yes. as it exists right yeah. now. But the problem is you can't. I you hate can't. It's just games that are played. Yeah. And the short sightedness of, unfortunately, a large portion of the population. Yeah. But the problem is you can't disengage from it because. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, you can't. You cannot. You just can't, listener. Be the person who says, oh, I don't really do politics. I'm not really into politics because here's the thing, whether you are or aren't politics are into you, mm -hmm. whether you're engaged and paying attention, uh, and doing your part, playing your role or not, these people are going to make decisions that affect your lives. And it's, it's much more granular than who, who's the president. Like, okay, that's a big deal. But the people that have the most impact on your life are the city councilors and yeah, your county commission, county commissioners. I mean, we've, we've been trying to build a tiny, my daughter just turned three. We signed a contract with a general contractor to build a tiny house in our backyard for my mom, um, a full six months before my daughter was born. We have not broken ground on that tiny house. Good Lord. Because of our our city government, this isn't because of the state. This isn't because of whoever's president. Because our city government functions not unlike an overactive HOA, mm -hmm. and thinks they have every right to tell me what I do with my little piece of the planet. Um, not very many libertarians on city city council, and uh, so because I was building, if I was building a shed, fine. If I wanted to build a little she shed, no big deal. Freestanding garage, no factor. An attached addition to my home, okay. But because this is what's called an additional dwelling unit, um, which, and we'll go into how overregulation creates criminals of a lot of Americans, uh, intentionally or otherwise. Um, but because um, this there's is an additional dwelling unit, than, than permission, as they say. There, oh, yeah. There's all kinds of additional regulations that go along with it, an entirely separate permitting process from normal uh, building procedures. Um, it had to be approved by a full meeting of the city council, complete with public notification. If you've ever seen uh, a sign out for notification of a public hearing, it was probably about the size of a, of a yard sign, like a realtor sign, a political sign. This sign was seven feet wide by 11 feet tall in the center of my front yard. You would have thought that my house was condemned as a crack den. People stopped in the street in front of my yard. It created a hazard on the road in front of my house for people to stop and read this sign. And because it read in legalese, so you could sit there and read the whole thing and you still didn't know what was going on. It didn't just say, hey, these people want to build a Lego with a roof in the backyard for Grammy. No, no. <laughs> right. And so 
And then, you know, they make it up as they, they go along. So they send a, a one, one, one neighbor just happens to be a Yankee transplant. Um, surely that doesn't have anything to do with it. Writes nasty letters to the city. Oh, this is going to cause runoff issues on our property and whatever. I'm like, no more than if I put a paver patio out back. No more. We're talking about a 12 by 36 rectangle with a roof. No gables. No, no nothing. Right. Um, so they, they send out, uh, um, an engineer. Oh, would you, would you maybe put some, like a, a paver, uh, barrier over here? Sure. To the tune of like three grand. How about adding some gutters on the existing structure over here? Okay. Yeah. There's a few hundred more dollars. Oh, by the way, I want to see a full water flow elevation survey of the entire property. That's on my dime. That's not in regulation. That's not in city ordinances. That's this dude standing there going, ah, why don't we do this to appease this person? And the crazy thing is, is that completely changes depending on who you talk to. Yeah. If, yeah. if the, it, even that, it, it changes on their mood. Yeah. Like uh, so many times we have this thought process that because they work for the government, that this is, this is what the law says. This is how, no, it, it's not. It's, yeah. it's left open. It's like read at some point, this is an encouragement for everybody. And you don't even have to spend a lot of time doing it. Grab yourself like the IRS tax code and just open up a random page and read a couple paragraphs and then open up a random page somewhere else and read another couple and, and see how much of it contradicts each other, how it doesn't make any sense, how yeah. it's so just it's grandiose and and generalized. So you don't. Yeah. So literally, it just comes down to a person's opinion and thought process so they can do whatever they want when they want yeah. to. It's, well, it's as, as they drag us through all this process, so it we we get a full approval from the city council. After me agreeing to some additional stipulations that are not in our city ordinance, and the libertarian in me was disgusted with myself for doing it, but I just want to get the stupid thing done, right? Um, which is where they get you. That's dumb. I wish I hadn't. I reg- I regret. I, re- I regret. Um, I regret that I agreed to those additional stipulations because I didn't need to. I, I had I had met uh, everything that was required of ordinance. There was there, they had no cause to deny the building of this small dwelling, so I shouldn't have, but I did. And then it was still I, I don't even know another eighteen months of review by the bureaucracy of the whole process before they finally get our permit. What happens in the meantime of all of this? Oh, COVID happens in the meantime of all of this causes. Labor shortages, material shortages, and drives the housing market through the roofs. My cost on this project went up 40% from the time I signed my agreement with my GC to the time we had a permit in hand. Kale, you have a permit in hand? Why haven't you broken ground? Because I can't get roof trust for 10 freaking months. That's why. That's why. Because, again, of regulations. You think, oh, roof truss. Isn't that a bunch of, like, nailed and screwed together two-by-four? Sure is. Couldn't your GC just frame those up and build them on site? Sure could. Except for, because of the regulations, there's all this engineering that goes into the connection points on those things so that they meet all of the building standards and the companies that design those things hold patents on them and you can't just build the stupid things on site. You gotta buy them from somebody who's licensed to build them. So while me, with my rudimentary handyman skills, could frame 12 or 14 or whatever it takes to put a roof on a Lego of these trusses up myself and they would be fine, can't do it again because of more stupid government regulations 
My GC, my general contractor, a person who builds buildings, can't just frame these roof trusses up on site and build this thing. And it's ridiculous. Now, here's where I say they incentivize you to break laws. That's what happens with overregulation. That's what our, our founders said about an income tax. They said an income tax makes a nation of liars. And here's what they meant. Jason, it's time to pay your taxes. What's your first question? How much? Well, it depends on how much you made. So how much did you make, Jason? Less than what you, you think. You're incentivized to lie yeah, to me about it. You're incentivized to lie to me about it. So what we hear from our GC, who wasn't recommending this, he, he's an awesome uh, believer, great, great guy, somebody we know personally. Um, but he's like, yeah, this is why what a lot of people do with these, because there's, there's specific one or two things that make these things not just a building, an additional dwelling unit. And I can't remember exactly what it is. But it's something along the lines of like either having a full range, like a stove and an oven, or having a dishwasher or both. You can have a, a bathroom, you can have a shower, you can have a sink, you can have all that stuff, but it becomes a, an additional dwelling unit when you have one or more of those things. I can't remember what they are. So what a lot of people do is they just run 220 line, they run the power lines to drive those appliances in the walls. They don't put a breaker in their breaker box for them. They don't put a plug on the wall. They show no intention on their plans of installing anything like that. And once their inspections are done and they're free and clear, they put a breaker in, they bo in their box, they knock a hole in the wall, and they hook them up, and they're good to go. Why? Because they don't want to deal with what I've dealt with for three years. They are incentivized to break those laws because they're overly burdensome. So let me, let me say, I don't know if I've ever heard you as fired up in any situation or scenario uh, as this current one, and it kind of makes me chuckle because uh, you are so fired up about it. Uh, but to kind of to tag on to that, um, it's something that's actually happening up here today. As a matter of fact, it's Saturday as we're recording this, like you said earlier. Uh, it, is, it is the day of opening deer season for us up here. Both season starts today. And... Uh, so there's there's a lot of people that are out there and they're hunting and stuff already. Uh, something that has changed this year, again, from overreach and burdensome laws, uh, are the DNR, which is the Department of Natural Resources. They're the people that are over all of the uh, deer licenses and tags and hunting licenses and schooling and classes and uh, all of that stuff, right? They've, they've started changing some of these rules and laws. And uh, with that, now this year, when you are, you, you have to buy your license, your hunting license itself, and then you have to purchase a deer tag, which is typical anywhere you go. Typically, you have to just mark uh, which date and, and uh, date of the month and, and on the tag or whatever when you, when you place it on the deer that you've been able to harvest. And uh, it, this year, they've made the decision that you need to call in and give your barcode for each deer that you actually text. So now you actually either have to call in or you have to go online and you have to register the deer that you actually got. It's, it's not just getting the license. It's not just going. So there's a large people, large number of people at this point, as they've continued to make it more and more difficult on people, more and more expensive that are just going out there into their own yards. Cause there's a lot of acreage. There's a lot, it's more of a rural area. So a lot of people have acreage of their own. They're going out there and they're harvesting deer and they're processing the deer on their uh, of their own volition and on their own way and not reporting it, not getting tags, not doing any of it now, which is yeah. completely hurting the system. You've been on 
Blood Origins podcast now, which is amazing. You had had the the, the head podcast uh, speaker on there, which is really cool. Yeah, Very that's cool right. Of, yeah, yeah, Robbie Robbie from Blood Origins came on a, a few episodes ago, and then I sat down just uh, as we were as we're recording, anyways. Uh, just last week, I was on their roundup with uh, Robbie and Cody, and and it was a blast. And uh, Cody's actually going to come on the podcast now too, which I'm I'm excited. Cool. Uh, so we haven't set a date yet, but Cody will be on here. But uh, but one of the yeah. things that they've talked about is how these these things are beneficial. I'm actually a DNR safety instructor, so I do hunting safety classes uh, for for whoever wants them in the area, right? To to help get them their hunting say uh, their hunter safety certificate, so they can go out and hunt. And and the the process behind it really is to raise up ethical hunters that are doing this job of of keeping the population of different animals uh, where it should be. So they're not uh, decimating the, the area that you're in, whether it be uh, too many car accidents or, or whatever the case may be that it's causing the issues that they can. Right. And, and a lot of that money that goes to these licenses and these deer tags is to help facilitate and make those studies take place, but also facilitate like uh, when you have deer that end up getting tuberculosis and taking care of that or or wasting disease. There's a the disease that deer can get and they spread that they start wasting away and literally turn into like zombies and stuff. Yeah. And, and you have to try to uh, quell that and stop that so it doesn't spread, doesn't hurt the rest of the herd and stuff that's out there. But the problem now is they keep on making this more and more difficult. It's literally hindering the process and making liars out of everybody. So they're not bothering to even financially help because they're not getting the deer tags or the hunter safety license anymore. They're just going out and harvesting themselves because they're making it so difficult and so ridiculous through the hoops that you have to jump through. Well, and it's like, how, how do you even enforce that? You don't know when I took that deer. How do you, what, how do you know what that three-day limit is? Mm-hmm. And so if it's day four or five, and you're like, oh, crap, I forgot to call it in. Okay, well, I took that deer two days later. It, you know, it's, you know, it, you don't want to, I, domestic abuse is not funny. It's not a joke. Okay. Now that that's out of the way, and I think solid some podcast listeners get the sense of humor out here, but it's kind of like a, why do you make me keep hitting you? Stop making me be mean to you. Why are you making me lie to you? Yeah. Why? I do. So like. If, you, if you're going to issue tags, I get it because you, you want to manage the population responsibly. Mm-hmm. Roger that. You want me to report that I used the tag. Oh, okay, sure. But you make it overly burdensome and people just aren't going to do it, especially. But what they'll do, Jason, because I, I think I'm not thoroughly familiar uh, with the, the hunting laws down here, but I know a lot of places, and it might be the case there down here. Uh, on your own property, there is no, there's no seasons, there's no tag, there's no licenses on your own property. You, you take what you want to take unless it's like a protected species. Um, up here, up here, unless it is a nuisance. Um, so like we have chickens. Um, so we have our chicken coop out back and stuff. So if, and we do, we kind of joked about this the last time I think I was on, uh, like there are, I haven't ever seen them knock on wood in my yard. Uh, but there are mountain lion in the area. There's definitely black bear, a lot of black bear that are, have been seen even in my neighborhood or what you would kind of constitute as a neighborhood. Um, there's foxes and coyotes and all that kind of stuff that, that roam. And I've had those in my yard at that point and they can burrow and they can try and get under and into the chicken coop and decimate all of my chicken and all that stuff. So at that point, because of it being a nuisance and you're protecting your livestock, then at that point you can, you can actually harvest or take care of, but otherwise you have to get a license, even if it's in your yard does not matter. Sorry, officer, that deer is going for my chickens. (laughs) (laughs) 
Well, you know, it's kind of a running joke. There's a lot of people because uh, another one of their their burdensome laws is that you can't feed deer and their purpose and what they're saying is, well, the wasting disease and it's causing too many to congregate. Again, living up here in northern Michigan, you drive anywhere and there are dozens and dozens of deer all in the same place just eating grass. It has nothing to do like it's just it's a it's a frivolous yeah. garbage of a they comment. all disappear when the season opens though. So now it? at this it's point amazing how they know when the season starts. Yeah, yeah. So you have this joke with this running joke of oh I'm feeding my turkeys, you know. Oh uh, you know, I have chickens. I'm I gotta throw out chicken scratch. You know, and you say these things and 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 that's kind of the thought process of, well, no, I'm feeding the birds. I'm not feeding deer. If a deer gets in here, you know, there's even literally like signs that you can get. And it's like, this feed is for deer, or this feed is for turkeys. Any deer that are in the area will be shot on site. You know, and it's like kind of just making yeah. a joke of it. And it's, again, it's making deceitful people. Yeah. And it's, you know, I get it, listen, if you're like, well, I don't want to hunt, so who cares? Or I don't, I'm not trying to build a tiny house for my my parent in the backyards. Who cares? Um, do, you, do you have a, a tag on your vehicle? How much did you pay for it? How Has that price risen? That's politics. Mm-hmm. Oh, are you in a, you in a state that re- I live in North Carolina for a little while? They require vehicle inspections. You got to pay for that every year. It's on you. You don't have it, you'll get pulled over. You get a ticket. You can lose your license. You can. Vehicle inspections are ridiculous because mm-hmm. all a vehicle inspection does is tells you the state of that vehicle at the moment it was inspected. I can. You can go get your vehicle inspected. You can drive away from that inspection straight to the tent place. Put the darkest tent you can buy on it. Drive straight over to the muffler place and have them straight pipe it, and and you can you can dump grease on on your brakes. So the vehicle won't stop, but you, by God, you've got a good inspection tag on your car. It, it doesn't do anything. It's not anything for public safety. It's a revenue generator. Mm-hmm. That's that's politics, right? And how, how, point when when these revenue generators become so burdensome and so much that people stop adhering to it? Yeah, my, you know, just today, my in laws came by to put some stuff in our freezer because we have power. They still don't. What they do have is several solar panels sitting on their house generating electricity right now. But by Florida state law, they cannot power their house with those solar panels. They have to be turned off right now. They can't do it. Yeah, that that drives me nuts. That is one of those laws that that Michigan has that I do love uh, because there are a lot of people that live off the grid entirely. Like there, yeah. there are there are big towns even in Michigan, uh, some of them up in the UP, that literally every single building is is run off of whether it be wind energy or solar or whatever. But they're completely off the grid. Yeah. There's no attachment at all to it, and and it's encouraged even in some areas. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's amazing to to see the difference. Um, the way it works with the solar panels down here, as they were explaining it to me, and I've started to look into this uh, a little bit because I've looked at uh, you and I were talking about this some uh, by text the last couple days when we were trying to figure out if we were going to be able to record this week. Uh, you know, and I've looked at doing like a, 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 a hardwired like Generac whole home generator. And I like I wasn't trying. I wasn't like, hey, dude, what's the cheapest we could spend? I'm like, I don't want to think about it. I want it to turn on and I want to be able to run everything in the house at the same time, full tilt boogie with the air set to 65 degrees. That's the price I want, right? I just, I just didn't want to think about power management and can I run this thing or that thing? I was being bougie about it, 
Um, you know, but there's options like you can do the, uh, I mean, it's the sunshine state solar makes, makes some sense, um, mm-hmm. down here and you can do the backup battery and stuff like that. So I, I've looked at different options and of course you can do you know, just the freestanding gas generators and stuff like that. Um, but the, as I understand it from people who have solar is the way it works in Florida is that's not, you're paying for the panels. Now the government will cut, will give you a nice tax credit for it. So I'm paying for your solar panels too. And we all are. Um, but, uh, the federal government does that. Um, uh, but they're not the government's panels. It's not the government's sunshine. It's not the government's roof line, or you can put them on stands in your yard. Nothing about it is theirs, but they have deemed that if you're going to have, this is your property. This is your house, man. This stuff pisses me off. You're right, Jason. It's ridiculous. Um, it's, this is, this is, this is my, this is my piece of the, of, of the earth, right? Uh, for the time that I have it. And you're telling me that I can't put these things on. Now I get like, I should be legally liable. So, so part of the issue, if what they hide this behind is, oh, if power's down and your system back feeds into the grid, you could kill a lineman. Okay. So you put in a switch. And transfer switch, you, yep. You make it so so and those can be automatic where if they see the power drop out, they'll switch or they can be manual. But Roger that if I'm going to power the house off those, I'm disconnecting from the grid. You can't do it. You're breaking the law if you do that here in Florida right now. As I understand it, if I've got this wrong, I'll come back and apologize to the state government. But the way it works here is and in some places you can when you have solar, not only can you power your home from it, but you can sell any excess energy that you don't need to the utility to use for your neighbors. Well, the deal here is that all of the energy you're producing with those goes to the utility and you can offset your bill with that. And that's fine. You can offset your energy with that and any extra, they pay you like pennies on a dollar for, Mm -hmm. and they, they sell the extra to your neighbors at their normal rates for for their energy well, the big, now the big i think this behind it is yeah. to make their grid bigger you yeah know, it costs them x amount of money to go and make these solar farms you go out to disney and stuff and you see these giant solar farms and it costs them lots and lots of money to do these what I, like up here it's dte i can't remember what it is down there now uh, it's, every, it's all over the place it used to be florida power or whatever but yeah they're they're Duke, I think it was Duke yeah. Energy or whatever. Yeah, Duke's big lots energy. and lots of money, millions and millions, billions of dollars even for them to do these solar farms. Whereas if they can talk people into or incentivize them to putting these solar panels on their house, then at that point, that's money saved because it's one less little solar farm that they have to make. And that's why they do it because it's not about you or benefit to you. It's about benefit to them. And yeah. they make you think it's about you. Yeah. The crazy, but, the crazy but, thing yeah. about that is you have a generator and you have to use that same transfer switch for the same exact reasons, but when it comes to solar, you're not allowed to do it. Yeah, yeah. Now, I think, I haven't researched this, but I think it's different if you have a battery in your system. So if you're allowing your panels to charge the battery, you can run the house off the battery, I think. I haven't looked into it, but it's just ridiculous. I'm not, mm-hmm. if, if, the, if the utility wanted to come in and say, hey, if you will let us put solar on your property. We'll pay for the install. We'll pay for the materials. And because basically you're leasing the space to them, then, well, the way we'll pay you for that space is we'll let you draw electricity off of those and anything you don't need, we'll sell. 
Roger that. Let's do it. Freaking sign me up. But that's not it. I, it's my roof. It's my land. I'm paying for the panels. The, nothing about that is your energy. It's politics cares about you, whether or not you care about politics. And I'm telling you, if you don't care about any of the stuff that we're talking about, it is affecting you and impacting you in other ways. And it's just not okay to check out. It's just not okay to not care. It's just not okay to say, I don't matter. I get that you get into these big national elections and you can feel small and you can't feel like a difference, man. I'm telling you, unless you're in a major metropolitan area, your mayor, wherever you're at, was elected with way less than a million votes. Mm-hmm. Probably less than 100,000 votes. Almost certainly less than 200,000 votes. Again, unless you're in a big metropolitan area. Like, I don't, I don't know how many takes votes it takes to get elected mayor of Orlando. But where the city I'm in, it's not that much. And uh, you don't have to knock on too many doors and change too many hearts and minds before you've made a difference in that local election. And those are the people deciding things like, how much are you going to pay for your water? How much are you going to pay for your sewer? How much are you going to pay for your electricity? Can you do this thing at your house? Can you park on the street in your neighborhood? Can you, which, hey, I hate street parking. So, I mean, whatever. That's, I part with my libertarian ways there. Uh, it creates a safety issue depending on the width of the streets. You can't get emergency vehicles through and it's garbage. Um, but uh, it, it makes a difference and you absolutely can impact those things. And it sucks. It's not fun. I don't want to be involved. Um, I don't want to have to care. But, hey, my wife and I had somebody watch the kids. And we took a night and we went and listened to, uh, you know, the, our, the people running for office in our local elections pontificate here recently. Was some of it crap and politicians speak? Yeah. Uh, do they slip up sometimes, though, and their mask falls and you could see who they are? Yeah. I'm like, uh, well, never mind. You know, there's this one guy. He's like, oh, I've been a councilman before and I just see the need again. And people are asking me to run. You know, I've been a longtime resident of uh, this, this whatever. I live on this side of town, um, you know, with my, my long-term girlfriend and we're raising these kids together. And all I heard is Dr. Laura in my head going, oh, you're shacked up. Say you're shacked up. You're shacked up. <laughs> so I'm just like um, – you know, whatever, you know, live your life. I don't expect everybody to, to live by my standards, but I'm like, no, there's like, there's moral choices you're making in life, in your life. that I'm like, no, I don't want you, uh, you know, making moral choices for, for my city either. Uh, listen, listeners, if you're shacked up, Hey, be upfront about it. You're shacked up. That's fine. Call it, call it what it is. I'm not saying you're a bad person for it, but I'm saying like, your this dude's interviewing for a job where he has major impacts on the way things work in my city. Okay, so that and other it's not just that. It's not just that, you know, he he's shacked up. Like put a ring on it, dude. For the love. Be a man. Put a ring on it. <laughs> um but uh, you know, there were other things. I just I just wasn't a fan of this guy policy wise. And if I was, I you know, maybe I'd overlook that. Cause no, no, you stop looking for the perfect candidate. They don't exist. Stop looking for mm-hmm. if you want, I'll tell you what, there is a way. I have figured this out, Jason. I'm I'm sharing this here first on the Solid Seven podcast. I have figured out the secret to getting to being able to vote for a candidate that lines up with your politics, 100% lockstep, perfect. Run, 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 run. Oh, I I can't. No, nobody good will run. All these people suck. I'm sick of voting for the the lowest common denominator. Cool, run. Yep, do it. That's it. That's it. If if you want if you want change, be the change. Be the change. That's that's the honesty of it. So all that to say. So are you bow hunting? Let's let's, let's go I, to the I lighter do, side. I do. I do bow hunt. Yeah. Uh, I, I love it. There's um 
there's a bit more it's it's a lot more challenging um there's a lot more that can go wrong in, yeah. uh, and because of that because of that extra challenge i i really like um i don't know it kind of goes back to that just oneness and that um ornate beginnings of where we were at before before there was rifles before there was black powder before there was uh, all of that it, it was it was with a bow and i have yeah. a compound bow um it's it's not just a a, a straight bow but um still there's just on, the extra added I've been very clear recently in my interactions with Blood Origins. I'm not a hunter. I don't pretend to be a hunter. I own some camo because I've been on a hunt and I like the look of it. Not going to lie. Uh, so I've been on a hunt. I go out and play in the woods some. Like I like to hike and camp and, and whatever. Um, but I do know some things. And if you're going to say you're a bow hunter and you've got uh, a compound bow, the the men, the men listening need to know what your draw weight is, Jason. Uh, 60 pounds. Which... Which right. is I mean, overkill. I think, I think Joe Rogan's is ninety, but whatever. Yeah, it's it's overkill for. Again, this is where that 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 DNR safety instructor comes into. Uh, for medium size and small size game, uh, they recommend forty two pounds. Is what they recommend. Uh, yeah, so like, if you're a my, little girl, my, my forty two is fine. If you're a little girl, yes. If I'm going to take my daughter Marley, if I'm going to take Marley hunting, yes. forty two pounds is what she would use. Yes. Mine being at 60, I'm able to take down a black bear if I needed to. So that's that's why I kept it up at a little bit higher. That way uh, I could I could have, even even as a protective uh, aspect of it, if I'm out there hunting and all of a sudden uh, good old Mr. Bear decides so, to. Are you, and listeners, I promise I'm not turning this into a, a hunting podcast. So don't let the blood origins <laughs> things throw you off. But I'm intrigued by these things. And, you know, listen, that's what we talk about here, the, the things that interest us. And certainly fall is, is hunting season. And so... Um, and I, you know, and I mentioned this, uh, when Robbie was on here and when I was on their podcast, like I, I, I do, I, I feel like it's such a big barrier barrier and I don't think you grew up hunting. Right. Mm -mm. So I do want to talk about this more on or off the podcast about kind of how you, you got through the barrier to this. I just feel like when you didn't grow up that way and when you don't have your own property and stuff, the barrier to entry to hunting, just, it's not uh, clearly, it's not insurmountable. People do it. Uh, but it's just, it's just such a, a turnoff. And so, but I, I am intrigued by it. Um, so are you like, are you stalking or are you setting up in like in a blind or a stand when you hunt? Uh, at, at this point I have, I have a deer blind, uh, yeah. that I use. Um, I've, I've used other deer blinds or I've used like stands and stuff at that point. Um, for the most part, deer are, their eyesight is pretty trashy, but man, their hearing is intense. And up here, uh, during this season especially, you're going to have crunching leaves because the leaves are now coming down, uh, and that will freak them out long before you ever get to see them. Uh, and then in another month or so, there's going to be snow on the ground, and that crunch is even louder. Uh, so you have those aspects that the deer is going to hear you from years away uh, at that point. So you, you literally you sit yourself in a deer blind or even sit at a, deer, uh, at a tree or something like that, and you just wait. Uh, you you kind of... There is a tracking aspect to it. You look at the lines that they normally run. Where are they migrating? How are they migrating? Where are they moving? Those kinds of things. And you can kind of put yourself in a place where you know that there are deer that are going through. You put a trail camera up or something along those lines. Are, uh, are, are you hunting? I like I've you've sent me pictures of deer on your property. Not that you mm -hmm. you have a lot, but it doesn't take much up there to have deer on it. Uh, but are like are you hunting public land? Are you doing a lease? What are you doing? I'm doing private private land. Yeah, I, I actually hunt in my backyard. So. Uh, it's a, I have a little bit over an acre, uh, and then 
uh, relatives own the property that's behind it, and and they actually are snowbirds, so they're not in town during hunting season as it is. Uh, so yeah. then they have another like fifteen acres or twelve acres or something along those. So lines. Are you doing are you doing feeders or have you guys planted feedlots or you just happen to be well positioned to have deer? Period. So again, uh, with the wonderful laws and regulations that are so burdensome, you're not allowed to feed deer currently still. Uh, so you can't bait them. Um, but you are able to do feed plots. So I, I put down like there's a lot of different seeds that they really, really like that, that create plants and stuff that they really like. Alfalfa is one of them uh, that they love. So you're able to go on and sow that seed into an area uh, and that draws them in or even yeah whatever. So yeah. by having those things or you just happen to be in a place as they're going to and fro which is another port. Like I have, I have my little plot of alfalfa and rape and uh, clover and all that kind of stuff that I actually have planted in my backyard. And then, so that they'll come through and they eat a little bit. I have a strawberry patch that they love those. Uh, so there's those things that they just love to munch on and stuff, especially in this time of year. Uh, and then there's also other people that have even bigger plots um, that, that they will literally go through my yard, even just to, to get to their yards and stuff and into their property. Like- God forbid you chuck some corn out for him. Not allowed, man, because it's going to cause <laughs> deer to congregate uh, more than they do naturally. Uh, it's just, it's yeah. So uh, how how did you learn to shoot a bow? Um, it's something I've always kind of always knew. But I, I remember growing up, my brother, my older brother had a bow and guns and arrows and I, I mean i was probably 14 years old and i got myself like a little crossbow pistol even uh, yeah. like that stuff has always been an interest of mine uh, my yeah. uncle that lives up here is an avid hunter has yeah. hunted his entire life my grandfather used to come up here even after we moved to florida would still come up here on like pheasant and deer hunting trips and stuff like that yeah. so uh it's there's family that always did it but there was always an interest in me i've always loved guns i've always yeah. loved bows and arrows um I was always a fan of like medieval times, even so like swords and uh, lances and like, that's just always stuff that I've, I've just loved, you know? Um, so I, yeah, I taught myself, nice. I was self-taught when it came to that and just honed it in and, and made it even better. Yeah. So, um, have you had a, uh, I mean, successful every season, like are you able to get a, a day or two each year? I usually try to get at least one doe. Um, yeah. And the last couple of years, just time-wise, hasn't worked out. I've gone out a couple times, but just very rare. I think last year, um, I was actually angry with myself because life was just so busy. I, I set my blind up and never, not once, went out to my deer blind. Yeah. Um, it's hard to explain. Um, for those of you that are religious, um, you you can probably at least equate this to like if you ever go for a walk by yourself in the woods or on the ocean or wherever, but you're out just somewhere outside in the wilderness of God's creation by yourself, there's just something that's relaxing and spiritual about it. It's very peaceful. And uh, even just that aspect of going out into my own backyard, into my deer blind, I have bird feeders and stuff that are right there over my head and just sitting there just dead silent for two, three hours. It's like, I'll read a book, I'll take a nap, I'll pray, whatever the case may be. But it is just one of the most peaceful, relaxing, and amazing times out of my entire year is just sitting in that blind, doing nothing, waiting yeah. for that time. The sun starts to, it just starts to, to dip and it starts getting into dusk. And that's when your deer are going to usually start coming into the area. 
and and that's when you're you you get excited and your your blood starts pumping and yeah. and you get that adrenaline adrenaline rush and and you start getting ready for that part. But man, that time as you're leading up to it is just one of the most amazing and peaceful times you can experience. Do you uh do you only hunt uh, bow season? Or you hunt rifle too? Uh, so in Michigan, you're able to, with the exception of actually no, I want to say from October 1st all the way up to January 1st, you can use bow the entire time. There are certain times only that you can do crossbow. Um, it does have rifle season, which up here, November 15th is is the beginning of rifle season. That goes for two weeks. Uh, up here, it's actually called safety day. The schools are all closed uh, in, in northern Michigan because we have we have opening a hunting season, rifle season. Uh, so everything's closed because you just have so many people that are out there hunting and whatnot. Um, and then there's a black powder season as well that ends up coupling on with that. But Bo, you're able to typically hunt the entire season. So where'd you learn to dress an animal? Uh, my uncle taught me. Yeah. Uh, the first time, uh, the first time it was actually on on his property downstate, and uh, got a nice big doe, and and he walked me through the process, and and now at this point, you know, just practicing through that, and um, there was actually one year. Um, I needed, I needed it. And, and, and so I went out and, and went onto his property and had the tag for it. And we were able to go out there and dress both mine and his deer at the same time. And, um, just learning, watching videos, YouTube's yeah. great, man. Still, uh, still has a lot of great stuff on there to try and figure out, uh, the way yeah, that's, if I won't get too gory on here, cause I know yeah. some people might get squeamish, but yeah, uh, no, I mean, if you're, if you're intrigued, I mean, you can go, go and look it up and mm -hmm. you know, it's, I understand it in theory, but I mean, that's part of that, 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 um, that part of, of the hunting process, uh, which I was trying to look for a word other than process, because then I, you're saying process a lot, which I've done just now, but of process, <laughs> so processing the animal is, you know, uh, clearing, Harvesting works as yeah, well. Yeah, clearing, clearing out the clearing out the organs and mm -hmm. and removing the meat from the animal, which is most of the the point, right? Removing the pelt, removing the meat, uh, and making making use of that. And then, uh, so do, do you then you take them somewhere and have them processed? You have them turned into cuts and sausages and stuff like that for you? Yeah, that's that's the easiest way of doing it. Um, deer, especially up here. I mean, they're much much bigger up here. Um, than, than what they were in Florida, the the puppies that they're about dog size down there. Yeah. Um, but up here you get a lot bigger deer and uh, they'll be, you know, over a hundred pounds easy. Um, if not beyond that, depending on if you're getting a buck or a doe or whatever the case may be. And uh, so it is easier to, to get your deer processed at another location. Um, a lot of times when they're processing, uh, you, there's a couple different select cuts like the steak or the backstrap are just really, really good. You want those. Uh, but the vast majority of it, it's actually better just to ground. And when you ground it, because they are so radically lean, uh, deer are so lean, you have to mix it with something. So a lot of times when you go through that process, they'll go on and they'll mix it with beef or they'll mix it with sausage or something like the pork yeah. or whatever uh, to kind of give that extra little bit of fat that's so desperately needed. Otherwise, when you're cooking, it's just crazy, crazy dry meat because they are such a lean animal. Yeah. So, yeah, so you'll process, you'll get rid of the, the innards. Uh, for lack of a better term, and uh, at that point, you kind of clean it out, and you take it to a, a processing place, and they'll they'll cut it up for you and grind it up for you, and you go over there, and if you want the pelt, they'll leave the pelt for you or whatever, and they'll give you a box that's all nice and wrapped in butcher paper and sealed ready for freezing or whatever the case may be. So you take like a, a, a reasonable-sized deer up there. How how long is that meat last? Family of four, how long does that meat last you? Um, for us, honestly, because uh, we use a lot of ground beef, 
uh, if I was to get two two good sized does, um, that would probably last us most of the year. Gosh, see, it's it stinks to because you know what it's like down here, right? Mm-hmm. Like most people don't have enough private property. If you got to know somebody, if you're going to hunt private land, public land hunting is hot garbage. Like hunting's hard enough. And you're competing with however many people for however small that population is there. And then to go out and do a a lease, you're talking, you know, a few grand. And so it's like, Mm -hmm. you know how many deer I need to kill to make it worth that money? (laughs) I'm like, uh, so it's, uh, it's, uh, it's a tough prospect. Yeah. I'm I'm Nice size dough and and you'll get yourself 80 to a hundred pounds of meat. Uh, and, And that's, that's a lot of meat. I mean, think of when you go to the store and you're making spaghetti and you're getting your pound of, of ground beef or you're getting a pound and a half of ground beef or whatever. Well, that's 80 pots yeah. of spaghetti. You know, that's, that's, a, that's a lot Dude, of spaghetti. Like, you know, like I said, most of my family's up in Illinois. My, um, some of my mom's family, my, my, my uncle, he's, he's on a farm of his own and he's been a hunter for a long time. And, uh, he, he's a vet and he's retired from Caterpillar. Awesome guy. I, I love him. And, uh, but he's run a, a business of his own for a long time called mystic longbows and he hand makes longbows and he'll hunt with them. Mm. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure, um, the only one of the cousins. So there's a second tier of, co- you know, all the cousins have had kids now. I think I'm the only one of the cousins. I don't think my sister's done it, but all the cousins that stayed up there, we moved down here have made their own bows. I know a lot of the second gen cousins, particularly his grandkids have. Um, and man, I just hate that. I, uh, you know, I would have loved to have had the opportunity to spend more time with him and wish that I had a pretty, like I was up there. Well, I never would have been up there for hunting season. I went up for the, for the summers, but would have loved to have got a hunt in and, and learned that kind of stuff from him. But, uh, uh, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll book a, a Michigan trip and come Dude, uh, bring it, man. Come snag That'd a deer. Awesome. Get you up here for hunting season. I've, I've thought it would be cool. I like, I don't know. Like I had a lot of fun recording, with the uh, the guys over at Blood Origins, I, I actually text them just to thank them again. I'm like, hey, I don't know if your uh, if your listeners enjoyed it at all, but I had a lot of fun. <laughs> um, but I, you know, I don't think I'm a big enough personality or name that I don't know how worthwhile it would be for their content. But I have been thinking it'd be kind of cool to figure out my first hunt with because they do so much awesome video mm-hmm. content and uh, you know with their what they're trying to do around hunting and what their messaging is and stuff. I think it could be a cool project. To be like, no, let's kind of figure out how and and where and and maybe when my first hunt could go down and produce a package around that, I think would be a, a lot of fun and, and really cool. So maybe yeah. uh maybe I'll I'll plan a trip up there and invite Robbie and his camera to to come with me. And uh I'm not worried about like the you know, I get there's nuance to archery, but at some point marksmanship is marksmanship, and I do understand marksmanship yeah. um as a as a firearms instructor. And so I get the way that the the eyelet works and you know, and the I, I get theoretically, uh, on a compound bow, how, you know, um, how the sights work and stuff like that. So just going, but the mechanism, man, it's a real Zen thing. It's a real Zen thing to be consistent, uh, with the bow and, uh, you know, people I there's, love. There's like, a, yeah. There's a lot of aspects to it, um, that are really needed again with deer having such an amazing, uh, ability of hearing, um, like even with my compound bow, it's a fairly quiet bow, but you have to put silencers and stuff on it uh, literally to try and dampen the sound because deer are so finicky and they're so, uh, their hearing is so amazing that literally if you go, uh, they recommend that you don't go more than like 30 to 40 feet away uh, from a deer if you're using a, a bow because yeah. of the simple fact the sound travels faster than the arrow does 
and they will hear the sound and they will jump. And, and again, it comes back to being an ethical hunter. If they're jumping, the good chance is, is you're not going to hit them where you thought you were. And then you're going to wound the animal instead of being able to harvest the animal. And yeah. um, then the animal's in pain and you don't, you don't want that. Like that's, that's just wrong. If, if that is your shtick, um, you, you have some issues that you need to talk to Jesus about, but yeah. Um, there's, there's a lot of aspects to it and there, there is definitely a nuance to it. Well, and I've even heard some of my favorite podcasters, uh, you know, Rogan, uh, Tim Ferriss, uh, Peter Atia. I've heard all of them talk at length about, uh, the access deer in Hawaii, which are an invasive species. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, they, they evolved in a place, if you believe in evolution, but they're from a place where they were hunted by, by big cats. I can't remember what big cats, but Hey, you know, big cats are big cats. And, um, so they'll straight up, like you fire an arrow and they're quick enough. They'll duck that bad boy, like entirely. Yeah, absolutely. These things are built to run from big, fast, stealthy cats. And so there's actually a company though, that has uh, kind of monetized because the access deer are a problem in Hawaii. They are a nuisance animal because they have no natural predator. So there's actually a company named Maui Nui. You can buy access deer meat and have it sent to you. Oh, wow. Um, I'm, I'm sure it's a pretty pricey. I'm sure it's not like going to, to buy a chuck roast, you know, <laughs> you know from your local grocery store. Uh, but you can, and, and everybody that's had it swears by how good that access deer meat is. Um, but yeah, they're, they're wily animals. I mean, I love all the, even without being a hunter, I love all the gifts and memes around like a deer reacting to a twig snapping at 20 yards out and a deer reacting to a semi barreling down the road at them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> disproportionate reaction. And that's, that's the For thing, sure. you know, you, you'll get in there and you're 20 foot away from it. And, and the game with, with a deer, uh, a white tail deer specific, uh, is, is silence. You've just got to be silent, move nice and slow. They're not going to see, it's kind of like T-Rex, you know, you watch Jurassic park and it's, you got to move slow. You can, you know, all this stuff and it won't see you. It's kind of the same thing. Now you get like an antelope and you got to shoot it from 200 yards away because yeah. it's sight is so good and you have to be so far away. It's, it's, it's very nuanced. There's a lot of elk up here yeah. too. There's a herd that's just North of us that travels back. Like it's, it's such a big herd that literally there's a radio station devoted to it because it crosses over like I-75 at different times and you have to be careful on, on when it's crossing and all that kind of stuff. So have you done an elk hunt at all? I have not. That is, that is a bucket list item for me. Is Listen, to do, this is, this is probably, like horses, man. I mean, they're, yeah. they're big, they're not small. This is probably for me spending away, paying like way too much attention to like, Cam Haynes and Joe Rogan and, and, uh, Jocko got a bull elk this year, but I'm like, man, I, I really want to hunt an elk. I've seen a herd of elk one time, uh, when we were, uh, visiting family out in Colorado, we've got family in Breckenridge and we were on a hike up there. Uh, and there's these trees up there, man, I need to remember the name of these trees, but it's like where we were at there. They only grow at Alpine altitudes. These aren't the trees there in Colorado aren't the oldest trees in the world, but the oldest trees in the world are this type mm -hmm. of tree. Uh, I can't remember the name. doesn't matter. Some listeners yelling at their whatever headphones right now. <laughs> um, but we were, we were up there to visit those and they're incredible. I mean, they're, they're, they're beautiful. It's really amazing. It, like you, there's a sense, there's a sense that comes off a living thing that old. It's really hard to explain. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, but there was, there was a herd of elk up there and then, listeners, if you haven't ever heard, like you think you kind of know what sounds to anticipate from animals and whatever you would anticipate from an elk, if you haven't ever heard it, when an elk bugles, 
it's otherworldly. I mean, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. It's it's off-putting. I mean, it's like uh, whatever. And they are they're they're huge. Like they're not moose. Moose are big, big. Yeah. Uh, but but elk are massive, and you'll eat you'll eat for a year off an elk easy. Um, I'll say I'll say up here um, that the size because we have moose up here as well. The size of the elk and moose are almost identical. Dang. Um, they're 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 big. Um, yeah. so they, they get pretty huge up here. That's what I'm saying. You get, you get some of the older elk and stuff up here and they're like the size of a horse, man. Um, yeah. they're, they're big. All yeah, right. Well, before all, the, <laughs> before all the, uh, the people, I mean, for sure get an elk. Um, but, uh, before everybody who could not care less about hunting, just tune out what, uh, what, what else is going on, man? What's, uh, what's got your attention here lately? So have you watched Andor yet? I have. I think I'm an episode behind right now. Are you? Um, we talked with Mike, you know, like you're a nerd. We all know this. Um, <laughs> but Mike Redacted, he's our resident Star Wars. Like he's got you beat on Star Wars. He's got you beat. Eh, some areas. Um, There's definitely some things he's and, got uh, wrong. That I'm and, like, so I was, and so I was, I was stoked. We, we know Mike was just on last episode and um, always great to have him on. But I was looking forward to talking to Andor with him. And he hadn't watched yet because uh, he had promised he had promised he'd watch with his son uh, and hadn't seen it yet. I'll tell you right now. I've said before, um, and I botched the name because I'm not a Star Wars nerd. Is it Rogue One, though? Yeah. Yeah, that he was in. So, yeah. So the title character of this is Cassian Andor. That's where Andor comes from. He was a character in Rogue One, if you've seen that. I've long said that Rogue One was my favorite Star Wars movie, and that remains true. And now, thus far, unless they screw it up, Andor may be my favorite Star Wars property, hands really? down. Yes. Wow. It's fantastic. I love I, it. Yeah. Wow. That's uh, that's unexpected. It's, it's again the from a from a series that has war in the title. Rogue One was their first war movie. It's part of yeah. why I loved it. It's a war movie. It's it's saving Private Ryan in a galaxy far, far away long ago. Like it's a right. war movie. And this has that like th this is a, a galaxy like in turmoil, in strife. This is dark. It's gritty. It's real. It's not the woo of the force. It's not that it's not that it's like what does this look like? What are people who are living through this dealing with? How does uh, how does guerrilla warfare get born out of situations like this? How do rebellions get born out of situations like this? This is that, and it's excellent. It's well-written. It's well-acted. You hate who you're supposed to hate. You love who you're supposed to love. There's a few you have questions about, and you just don't know what to do with them yet, and it's excellent. That does make sense. I mean, that's right up your alley. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's, that's your stick, and uh, that's, that's not a bad thing. It was Obi-Wan was definitely better for me. At least the last couple episodes of Obi-Wan was definitely better for me. But uh, Obi but had yeah, a hard good stuff. Obi-Wan had a hard time finding its footing and it did get mm -hmm. better. And I love Ewan McGregor and I was excited to see him again as Obi-Wan. And I think much like Rogue One was the first time we got a real appreciation for why everyone was so afraid of Darth yes. Vader. Yes. Um, that this like Obi-Wan gave us e even even more than the battle on Mustafar. I'm sorry, nerds, but episode three, <laughs> when Obi-Wan fights Anakin and cuts him into pieces, that battle was on Mustafar. I hate you. Dude, the the fight, like the, the second fight with Darth Vader and Obi-Wan puts it to shame, and yeah. that's when you're yeah. like, oh, holy crap. Like, I thought Yoda was awesome, and he was. 
I loved Mace Windu. Do it's Samuel L. Jackson. He's got a purple lightsaber. What's not to love? But you're like, oh wait, no, holy crap! Like Obi Wan might be the baddest of the Jedi. He very he just might be the baddest of the Jedi. Don't Which come at me with been my. That's yeah. always been my stance for him. He's don't always come at me with Ray. I don't want to hear it. Like I no like. <laughs> Obi-Wan is a bad, bad, bad man. That said, what it what Obi-Wan lacked, though, is it was just so hard to create real tension and drama because you know the outcome so well. And that's the same thing with Andor. We know what's coming for Cassie and Andor because of Rogue One, but they did a better job of overcoming that in this series, yeah, I feel like. I, I do agree. It's, it's better. Okay. It's, it's better than Mando. Mando's phenomenal. It's better than Mando and it's way better thus far than book of Boba Fett way better. Oh yeah. Yeah. Book of Boba Fett, you know, as they've said, that's more Mando 3.5 uh, season 3.5 or whatever. Yeah. And, and that was really the case for it. It was Boba Fett was while I enjoyed it, it was still a letdown from what it could have been. Um, I do feel like you are right. And Andor is, uh, it's definitely better starting off than what Obi-Wan started off with. I was kind of annoyed that first couple episodes uh, with, with Obi-Wan, but uh, yeah, it's good stuff, man. What do you think about James Earl Jones stepping down? No more, no more Vader voice. They had to sell it I off. I don't know if it matters anymore. Yeah. Th this came out and famously, uh, well, I say famously, he, he did Darth Vader's voice again mm -hmm. for Obi-Wan. And now he's, um, when the mask was on, when the mask was off, uh, you know, what's his name? I uh, was doing it. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, it's his voice has played like such cool roles for people our age, right? Oh, yeah. Like it's, it, you know, it's not just, he's always been Darth That's Vader awesome. for us. Right. But for me then also, like, I've always loved him because of his role in Sandlot, um, yeah, yeah. you know, and even, uh, I don't know why it's all baseball movies, but, um, field of dreams. That's right. He's in field. I forgot yeah. About that. I forgot so, about that. Um, you know, so just, just a cool guy, storied career. I'm like, on one hand, I'm like, really, do you need to take it? Like it's voice acting, do it till you die, man. But you know, whatever he, he it's doesn't need more, it. I think. Yeah. He, he doesn't need it as bad as we want it. It's interesting to see how much it will matter with today's technology. Um, like if we can recreate Val Kilmer's voice, we can probably do, but you really don't even, it's so distorted. Um, yeah. there's probably great voice actors out there. We actually, I haven't teased this on the podcast yet. I have a, a voice actor scheduled coming up on the podcast. Um, and, uh, they've got some, some legit credits to, to their name. Um, so I, I'm excited about that one, but, is, uh, is it, is it the relative of someone you've had on before? I don't think so how many voice actors do i know i know i don't think so okay the one that lives um, in california well yeah but i mean you could say that about anybody oh, yeah, that's true. alex like, alex alex's relative that, that oh she, i don't think they're related i think they're just close friends but yes oh are they i thought they were related yeah okay. sorry okay. sorry for the tease listeners but uh you'll you'll find <laughs> out soon enough that's that's coming up um but uh, so I, that's uh, that whole genre so intrigues me. Like I'm so I adore, I adore. I've talked about him on here before. I adore Mike Rowe, uh, and I'm like, man, just to be to be blessed to be born with those pipes, and to if if one so chooses, you wouldn't. There is art to it. I'm not saying anybody with a cool voice can do voice work, uh, but particularly like not voice acting, but like voiceovers. Man, if I had his voice, I don't know if I'd ever leave my house. I'd have a, I'd have a really nice mic. Uh, I'd have some really nice preamps, 
and uh, I'd be on like five. I'd be on like Fiverr or something, just just cranking it out. It's actually uh, funny that you bring that up because uh, I I feel like I have like a radio host type voice, um, and and I can kind of project that at times. But yeah. one of the things I was actually just texting you back and forth today because um, the the youth football league. Uh, wanted me to be their announcer. So I've started being their announcer and it's funny cause I've channeled, I can't think of his name, uh, but from the movie major league, uh, the, the main guy, I think that's who yes. I channel. Uh, when, just know, get outside. I do. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I was, I mean, I have fun with it. I, I actually, yeah. I threw it in today. I used, uh, your, your little, uh, some of your word pay, uh, word play, the, uh, the controversy, uh, yeah, so yeah. there was a play that ended up happening. And, and, uh, so I was like, uh, oh, seems to be some controversy out on the field right now. Uh, we're waiting on hearing some news from the refs and, and like, yeah. and I'm like looking, I'm watching people like look back up at me and they're like, what'd you say? Yeah. Hat, hat tip to our, our old buddy, Josh, our, my old yeah. co-host RIP Josh. Yeah. He got to kick <laughs> up saying controversy. So. But yeah, it's, it's good fun, man. It's good fun. Yeah, so you talked about Andor some with Mike, but couldn't get too in-depth with it because he hadn't seen it. So I think I am an episode behind from, you know, we had some things going on down here uh, this this week, so I didn't catch up. And I've I've been keeping up with with Lord of the Rings, too, and I know it's it's taken some heat that, or, um, oh, gosh, what do they call I mean, it's just Lord of the Rings, let's be honest. But uh, yeah, Rings yeah. of Power, I think, is what they're calling the series on yeah. Amazon. It's It's good. I know it's taken some heat. Um, you know, it, it deviates from, from Tolkien ish things here and there. And, uh, but I'm, I'm not mad at it for the reasons that other people are. Um, I don't think it's like all girl power. Um, part of that I think is just Elon trolling Jeff Bezos, which I love. I mean, I appreciate <laughs> that. Um, but, uh, it's, it's been good. I, I think it's, it's not as good as the first set of movies. It's probably as good as Hobbit. I mean, would I rather Peter Jackson be doing it? Yeah. Do I think it'd be yeah, something yeah. different if he was doing it? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't think it's, don't think it's not worth. I, I don't think you should skip it. I don't think it's not worth watching. I've I've enjoyed it, man. It, it's yeah. it's like Ander. I, I I watch it and I just I love watching the expansion of these universes that I have loved for so long. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and that's just that's the honesty of it. It brings just so much more depth depth to the thing that I love. And, and why wouldn't you like that? I, I, I don't know, man, people are just so poised to get offended and annoyed and complain about everything and anything. And, um, just, just shut up and watch the show and enjoy it. Stop complaining so much. You'll be happier in life. Yeah. I, if there's a knock, I think the guy playing the King of the Elves haven't even committed the character's name to memory. I think he's just a, either it's really poorly written or he's just a crap actor. <laughs> um, but otherwise I don't, I don't really have any big and it looks phenomenal it looks oh yeah the visuals are fantastic the visuals are on par with the original trilogy 100 percent. i'd hope so for a billion dollars <laughs> yeah okay well like like jeff cares that's like me going like hey, i'm gonna stop at taco bell on the way home from recording like <laughs> nothing yeah i'm I'm loving it though i, I love all the the good sci-fi stuff that's been coming out lately I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it well i say the star wars and the lord of the Rings stuff uh star trek not so much yeah yeah. Uh, yeah. Mike Redactor is trying to give me the hard sell on going back to um, Strange New Worlds. And I don't, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. That's, that's but, rough. Uh, that's rough. Yeah. I, um, were you ever into to, to Justified while we're talking about media a little bit? Did you ever watch Show Justified? Timothy Oliphant? I, I did not. I love Tim Oliphant. Like, I, he's an amazing actor, and I've seen yeah. him on a couple other shows or whatever, but I didn't watch him on Justified. Hey, 100%. 
go watch Justified. Uh, he's he's the main character. Um, Nick Searcy's a co-star. If you're familiar with Nick, Nick Searcy mm-hmm. was actually yeah. just recently on uh, Mike Rose podcast, and it's a worthy listen. Uh, but it's just an excellent. It's a modern day western. It's a fantastic show. He's a U.S. marshal um, from Kentucky. I mean, it's just really really good. And they're they're doing a, a sequel. I think it's gonna be a limited run miniseries. But they're Raylan's coming back, and I'm mm. stoked for it. So uh, looking for it. A little non, a little non sci-fi. Well, not yeah. fantasy for the people awesome. there. Well, Terminal List was another one of those. You you actually had brought it up, and Dude. I had seen commercials and stuff for it, which I, I like Chris Pratt anyways. Like he's I freaking love Chris Pratt. Yeah, he's he's just, as far as people I don't know, he's probably one of my favorites. Yes. Um, I Just for for a plethora of reasons, uh, going back to Parks and Rec, to, to Star-Lord. To, I mean, just for so many reasons. Yeah. I, I just love his demeanor, his attitude, his personality. Um, at least what we get to see. Um, if so I was I, into that Josh, show anyways, Josh and, used to disagree with me about this um, here on the podcast. But if I was Kevin Feige, if you gave me the reins of the Marvel universe, right? That first, I can't remember how they're breaking them down. Right. But that first segment, that first big run of movies, like it really, I, every, obviously there were big names, big stars, whatever, but it all, it all hung on Tony Stark. Right. Mm-hmm. It was all yeah. Robert Downey Jr. Right. Tied that all together, held it all together. So I think it, that was phase. Can't, I, you know, I can't remember how they're bringing it all down. This next series that they're doing, if I was in charge, I would hang it on Chris Pratt's shoulders. If it was me, I think he could carry it. And I think it'd be awesome. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, as far as who's there right now, I couldn't foresee anybody else, honestly. Um, I mean, you still got Chris Hemsworth kicking around. Yeah, but, but I, I mean, I just under and, and that's just a prime example of no, uh, I, I like him, too. But I don't know. There's just the 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 way that they're taking him and and the the, the funniness of it and uh, like him doing the Jean-Claude Van Damme splits um, and, and the most like I'm just like, yeah. I, I just think Chris Pratt has an an unbelievable amount of X factor, whatever that is. Oh, yeah. He's, he's got it. And obviously like you watch terminal list and obviously Chris Pratt has more range than he's been given credit for anyways. And you see glimpses of that in there. Like when you see like him with a gun pointed at Gamora's head, right? Like his Mm -hmm. acting there, his acting with Thanos later when he's interacting with the rest of the Avengers for the first time, like you see some glimpses of it, but there's, I love Andy Dwyer. I love Andy <laughs> Dwyer. Um, but there's just you more see to that when he's dance doing the dance off with Ronan. <laughs> you yeah. can see all of it, but there's just, there's so much more to Chris Pratt than that. And man, I really do think he could care easily carry a, a phase of the MCU. Yeah. You, you see it a lot uh, in, in uh, the, the volume two or whatever, when he's fighting with his dad with ego, yeah. Uh, toward the end when he finds out that he had killed his mom and that whole like switch flips for him and and he's a different person than what he was the entire movie uh, yeah. otherwise yeah he's he's got the chops man i i really enjoy him so that drew me into the show anyways i uh, watched the show glad i watched it first and i think you recommended to watch the show first um i think this yes. is i do love to read i think this may be the first time that i feel like the show was actually better than the book uh, ladies oh. and gentlemen, Jason's drunk. He's drunk. No. Oh I, my god! I definitely gosh. enjoyed the show better. Like there are there, are, which I'm not going to give these away. It's still fresh enough that I don't want to waste it or whatever. But some of the characters, like you, definitely hate these characters more in the book, and I don't know why they they twisted that aspect. Like uh, there's one 
character in particular that's high up in, in office, uh, very high up in office, we'll say. And like in the book, I'm like, man, I want to like reach through the book and punch her in her face. Like she yeah, just makes make me it. so angry. But in they the show, sympathetic in the show. Right. And, and, I, and so I don't understand that. His, the, his best. Fr- oh, man. Yes. Well, but, and that's the the big like but, it's oh, the well. book's been out a while now. So, you know, that's whatever. True, true. Spoiler alerts. But um, yeah, like there's there's now listen, um, you know, this isn't M. Night Shyamalan, right? This isn't built on the big turn or the big reveal. Right. But right. man, there's one that you there. there's just one you probably don't see coming in the book or the show in Terminal List. You might. Especially if you've had it primed like this, you might. But that in the book is so much darker and so much more shocking. But I didn't, I didn't like. And has a much more and a much more fitting end. I see. I I liked the, I liked the aspects of the way that they closed it. I thought it was more poetic. Maybe I'm I'm a romantist, so like I I loved the romantic ending of of how they ended the TV show like that. The way that they. You know, they, they were supposed to be meeting where they were supposed to be meeting. And he just shows up on the boat and he's like, you know, we got to do it, man. Yeah. I got to finish up my list. And yeah. like, it was just this, it was this begrudging um, love to hate moment, you know, whereas in the book, which I, 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 I kind of, the last couple episodes, I'm like, this is who it is. This is, this is where it's coming from. And sure yeah. enough that, so I, I didn't get taken over on that part, but the way that they ended the book, like I just, I don't know. It was too. Oh my gosh. It's so good. Easy for me. <laughs> it's so good. Uh, uh, I love it. I love it. So I, I, I love them both. I, I said, watch the show first. Cause I think the, I enjoyed the show having read the book. I think you would enjoy it more having not read the book. Um, I do think the book is better. I disagree with Jason. Um, and that's okay. This is America. He has the right to be wrong. Um, but uh, they're, they're both worth your time, period. Oh, yeah. And so uh, oh, I've talked about it on here ad nauseum, and I don't care. I'll give it more time because I think stuff like this is worth people's attention, man. In, in all the deluge of garbage that gets money thrown at it and airtime, man, is this good. Man, are Jack Carr's books fantastic. Yeah, I actually the book, too. Yeah. Written from a place of authenticity, mm-hmm. um, you know, a- after spending 20 years in the SEAL teams, uh, and uh, I, I don't know how much I've talked about it on here. Like I'm, I'm angling. Like I want Jack Carr on the podcast. Um, I know I would have had much better odds at that a year or two ago. Jack is hot right now. He's he just finished up a TV series with who I just described in my personal. Uh, you know, estimation is one of the biggest stars on the planet. Um, and so uh, we talked about it on here, but Jack recently had Chris Pratt on his podcast to talk about that experience. Mm-hmm. And they, they pretty much confirmed on there that there's more terminalist show coming. Oh, I didn't um, hear that. That's awesome. Yeah. That excites so, me. so yeah, Jack's hot stuff right now. I don't care. I'm going to get Jack Carr on solid seven podcast. I haven't broken down all the tie-ins for, for the listeners. Um, but, uh, Jack actually had a book signing here for his fifth book, not too long ago in winter park, um, here in central Florida. And I, and I went there, I had him sign his two most recent books. I wore the podcast shirt being the observant operator that he is. The first thing he said, when I walked up, he looks at my shirt, might have been before we had even shaken hands. He goes, Solid Seven Podcast. What's that? 
we yeah, talked right. about the, I you saying that we talked about the podcast we talked about sarah wilkinson being on um of course um her her husband uh was a, a seal operator and uh, a seal team six operator and and personally known to jack and so we had this conversation we had that personal connection and i i handed him like a, a just a personal note in an envelope with the logo and stuff on it and just thanked him for his work thanked him for his time said i'd love to have him on the podcast so point of contact one day well, one is, day man well then i get start. then i start getting connected with with robbie right and i told that story from blood origins i told that story of how you know i do the episode with brian littlefield from from origins and i start seeing or from origin i start seeing blood origins pop up on my social media connect with robbie so i start looking into blood origins because as soon as i saw their message i'm like man i really want to have this guy on the podcast so then you do what you do right you you stalk you know, you go on social media and you see what they're about. So I'm looking at Blood Origins social media. Who follows Blood Origins on Instagram? Jack, Jack Carr. Who's been on the Blood Origins podcast? Jack Carr. You know who else has been on the Blood Origins con- podcast? Big fat me. We're peers. There's <laughs> a distinct possibility that Jack Carr will hear me on the Blood Origins podcast from a week or so ago. So I'm like, man, there's all these connections right now. If I'm ever, um, not ever, man, the, the podcast, it just, I just believe it to my bones is going to go places, right? There, there's going to be a time when, when getting somebody to caliber Jack Carr on the podcast is going to be the norm. But right now it's, it'd be a big get. And I just, I think the potential's there and um, it's not yet like, do you want guests like that for exposure for the podcast? Sure. Sure. I do. I like, I'd be lying if I, like, if I was saying, if I didn't say like, I want his following to oh, see yeah, right. and, and hear the podcast, right. That that'd be disingenuous. Um, but like, I'm just like, I'm just a fan. Right. And like, I just want to like legit for whatever listenership I have, like, I want them to hear that. I want them to, and can you get it other places? Yeah. But it's always like, I'll, I'll listen to conversations that guests have on other podcasts and there's, you know, when they come on here, there's similarities. Sure. But it's never quite the same, right? My questions are coming from a different place, the way I process things, the things I want to know. And so I think you, I think you'll hear something different from Jack Carr here than you would hear about him on his own podcast or the other podcast he's, right. he's guested on. Um, and just, I, I am a legit fan. I, I've been an avid reader my, my whole life. I grew up, I loved Michael Crichton books way younger than I should have. I still swear by the book where the red fern grows. If you've got a, a fourth grader or a fifth grader, they haven't read where the red fern grows by Wilson Rawls, grab it for them. They'll fall in love with reading such great character and storytelling in that book. Um, it'll turn you into a dog lover. If you aren't already one, it's sadder than old yeller. I'm sorry, but it's true. Um, old Dan and little land beat old yeller hands down every day of the week. Um, but uh, and so Jack's books are just great. They're just up there with some of the best of what I've read and enjoy. I'm not, you know, these aren't the the great classics. That's not what he's trying to be, right? It's this isn't, you, you know, uh, take your pick, right? But man, they're just, they're they're well written action and adventure novels written from a place of authenticity that most people can't manage. I really like Brad Thor in that space too. But and Brad, I, I do too. It was awesome yeah. that he actually brings him up in one of the books. He's like, he was oh, talking yeah. about the guy reading a Brad Thor book. And I'm like, hey. <laughs> and uh, But just like Brad Thor can't write this stuff from the place right. that Jack that Jack Carr can. And uh, well, there's reasons why there's parts of his book are redacted at this 
point because of yeah. the fact he knows the information that he knows. The fact yeah. that the, the, literally the department uh, has to go through, that the, the government has to go through and, and look well, at that and listen that, to it. That part annoys me so much because I've heard him talk about this too. Like they go through such great lengths to make sure that he's not including anything in the books that can't be sourced from public information, from information that's already out there and obtainable. And the DOD will still be uptight about it and make him redact stuff right. in the books. So, so read, read the books, watch the show. It's fantastic. I'm thrilled. There's more coming. Um, yeah, and, uh, and reach out to Jack Carr and be like, Hey man, I read your book. Cause I heard about it on the solid seven podcast and they'd really like to have you on over right. there. Like, don't be a, don't be weird about it, but just be like, Hey, heard about you on the solid seven podcast. Be a big help. So yeah, hit him up. you know, I'll have to do that. I, I, I will do that for you. There you go. I believe you will. The rest of you people, come on, listeners. Yeah, you guys no. don't even share. No, you listeners. The listeners are fantastic. So <laughs> it takes it takes a quality person to listen to a subpar podcast on a regular basis. So thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> I know I'm not alone in that group. Uh so uh hey, you know, I know we've talked about like the the weather up there, and uh that's part of what like you're in a situation where you like not because of a hurricane, but generators, stuff like that. That's what we were talking yeah, about, right? Yeah. You can still, you guys can have blizzards and you need to have heat and you still want to have power mm-hmm. uh, and all that stuff. And um, so like heating oil, stuff like that, that's a big deal when you're someplace that gets cold. You ready for this professional podcast segue? You know where else it gets cold? Europe. And you know where they get a bunch of their heating oil and their gas? <laughs> From <laughs> Russia. Pipeline. <laughs> through pipelines. Hey, through pipelines. Right? Russia and China. So if you've heard, like, listeners, if you haven't heard about this, because I'm surprised, like, I've heard about this in places, and then I'll go to major news websites, and I'm like, I'm not seeing much about this. And I'm not trying to be, like, I'm not, like, I couldn't be farther from being QAnon. I'm not that person. I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not the person who's like, oh, you're not going to hear this from the mainstream news. I'm like, well, you're mainstream news. You're the one telling me about it, dummy, from these pontificators and these talking heads. But, like, it just doesn't. So there's these two gas pipelines that run from Russia to Europe. I don't know if it's natural gas, oil, whatever. I don't care enough to dig into it that much. Uh, But but Europe relies on it. It's the it's the Nord Stream one, and then there was a Nord Stream two. Nord Stream two, Russia was trying to get built. President Trump was not letting it happen. And actually, you can find quotes from him telling European leaders, "You will regret being so dependent on Russia for your energy." Mm-hmm. and Trump gets voted out of office, Biden gets voted in, the Nord Stream 2 gets done. We can't build pipelines here, but go ahead and build them there. That's fine um, because, you know, burning of these things in other parts of the world doesn't cause global warming or climate there was change. There one that was allowed once that yeah. transition took place, too, in Afghanistan as well. Yeah, and, it's, it's and that only... was another one that ended up being a small story on the back, yeah. back page, you know, and it's like but... you shut ours down the day you get in, but... You allow Afghanistan and now Russia also to do so. All of a sudden this week, both of these pipelines spring leaks, big leaks um, at this, like the same time. (laughs) Um, One of them, I think in two locations, I don't know that anything's been confirmed, but like all of the, the chatter is that this was intentional sabotage and everybody's got their own take on who could or would be responsible for this for different reasons. Well, I mean, it's, it's out there. Those stories are out there and it's pretty easy to find them even on reputable websites. Like I'm not, I'm not coming at you from, from 
I don't know, the red pages or something like that. You know, uh, these are these are reputable stories that you can find on on big news circuit, BBC and stuff like that. That you can actually find the stories on this, and and you can hear or or even see the the quotes coming from Putin blaming United States and blaming Russia, or not blaming Russia, but saying this would be counterintuitive for us to do this to ourselves, and uh, and then you have the state department here saying, Oh no, it was absolutely Russia. And uh, the crazy thing behind it all is it's literally all of this is taking place specifically just inside international waters. That's, that's one of the crazier takes on it. And that's why they think it's governmental somewhere uh, that's doing this or causing this one way or another is because it's in international waters. They're not being watched. They're not being monitored. Yeah. It's, like, but I just feel like this should be front and center everywhere. Yeah, it's it's a much and, bigger story than yeah. Than I mean, you go, to CNN, you go to CNN, you go to Fox News, uh, you go to Drudge, you go to MSNBC, and it's not front and center. You might be able to find a story about it at this point, but one, for the first day or two, you could not. It wasn't there. And I was seeing images and stories about it from elsewhere. Like you're seeing this gas bubbling up in the Baltic Sea. You could like this was happening. It wasn't like fringe. Um, and man, that seemed like. Uh, it's hard not to feel like we're just like one misstep away from World War Three right now with uh, nuclear power. Um, There's so much. I mean, um, I, with Russia, even in particular, you have that aspect of it going on that it's it's like, OK, well, if it is Russia, what are they what are they trying to provoke or what are they trying to cause? Uh, at the same time, this week, Russia allows and, and this is a name that has been thrown around for years now and people know there's movies based off of it. But Edward Snowden. The fact that just this week they gave him citizenship, Russia did. They allowed him to actually become a Russian citizen. And it's like, okay, well, maybe there is more about espionage here than what we were realizing before. Uh, you have that. You have the, the, all See, the stuff that's going I, on in Ukraine and them stealing, ele- literally stealing elections, annexing these these other these other areas of, of Ukraine, the, the, the eastern yeah, side of but, Ukraine. And, but that's what they do. I mean, it's not like Russian, it's, it's not like, all the times Putin has been elected, like those are on the up and up. Like this is just what they do. <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, but yeah, when, you know, when you see elections to the tune of like a 99% outcome, yeah, yeah, that's fraudulent. Uh, oddly enough, you'll see that in some districts here in the U S um, where you'll see like a 99% turnout and it's never Mm-mm. for the Republican when that happens. It's statistically impossible. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I, the jury's out on Snowden for me. I I really don't, I, I, the things that he exposed that our government was doing surveillance wise were illegal and Mm -hmm. wrong and should have been exposed immediately running to China and ultimately Russia. That's, that's where it messes up for me. It's like, but, but where else are you going to go? And be pretty sure you're not going to get extradited. Where? Yeah. True. So I, I don't, I don't know what to. I still don't know what to do with Snowden. I still, I, I just, I really don't know if he's a traitor or a hero. I really don't. I've never really done a, a big deep dive on it, but the the surveillance of Americans that was going on by our own government and continues to is not okay. You know, there's there is one big difference between any other type of espionage when it comes to a person or an individual is most of the time you have these people are selling off classified information, classified documents, whatever the case may be, to another superpower to try and usurp 
what is going on, spy type spy, uh, spy type stuff. That's not what he did. Uh, he he released this stuff to the American people so the American people could know, hey, you guys are being hosed here. You're being yeah. lied to. This is this is the reality. So there is a very big difference in the way that he went about it and what he did, as opposed to your your everyday typical run of the mill spy espionage type stuff that had been happening yeah. uh, within the Cold War or whatever so else may have been. Where where I've always hedged, where I where I, I've said that it could be traitors. And there's there's somebody I love kind of out there in the podcast sphere. His name's Mike Baker. Um, I came aware, became aware of Mike Baker because he used to guest occasionally on Red Eye on Fox News when Greg Gutfeld hosted it, which was the greatest show that's ever been on on Fox News or any other news network. Uh, but then uh, Mike's been – he's a former CIA guy, and he runs his own intelligence shop now. Um, I can't remember the name of it. He's got a quippy line about it, you know, like for all of your intelligence needs. But it's funny. But he's a regular guest on Rogan. Mike's just a really thoughtful guy, and he's in the know, and he understands these things. In that he's not a fan of Snowden when he's really not – it's funny. I think his handle on social media is MB Company Man, but he's really not a, a company guy. You know what I mean? Like he'll call ball, yeah. balls and strikes on the government. And so when people like that are like, no, Snowden was a traitor, it's it's where it compromised human assets, that information, to the extent that that happened, that's problematic. But I've really never dug in enough to see how much of that he he did or didn't do. So for me, the jury's out on Snowden. I, I don't think Snowden's citizenship in Russia says much more about anything other than it's just Russia trolling us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's It's just... It's it's a yet another it's another reason for there to be buttons pushed uh, that could cause it to go directions that we really yeah. really don't want to. That's that's the thing more so than anything that is worrisome and troublesome is is he's kind of hitting at us from multiple different angles at this point, trying to force our hand. And right now we're not biting. I, I, I don't know what to do. Yeah. I, I don't. I I need. I need. To, to hunt down some really good, informed, thoughtful, nonpartisan articles about, I, I'd love, uh, Mike Baker, that's somebody whose take I'd love to hear on mm -hmm. the Nord Stream thing. Like, I just don't really know who who gains from this. It, Europe was already going to be in a tight spot, um, energy-wise and particularly heating-wise, going into the winter. I, I don't see, um, I, I, I could see any number of players doing it for the sake of blaming somebody else. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know what Russia gains from it other than like, they're already sque squeezed economically so hard right now. Anyways, like I think they and want militarily. that. Yeah. And I, I think they want that fuel flowing into Europe because I, they need the money. Um, but I mean, you know, if Putin thought for sure he could pin it on us and there's something to gain from that, like, Hey, America never wanted this. Like they don't want us to get the money from it because they want their economic sanctions to have more impact. Um, you know, if he believes he could sell that, maybe I, man, I, I, I don't know, but I mean, again, you know, I, I can't remember who it was you were speaking with a couple of weeks ago or whatever, but you were talking about this and there was a, there was a staggering, unsurprising expectation. And if it wasn't from the nuclear option that is there, uh, all of this would be radically different than, than what we would be experiencing or expecting because we would have expected him to bulldoze over Ukraine. And that absolutely hasn't happened to the point now he's having to fix elections to, to make people think that they're being annexed and all this other stuff back into Russia. So it, it's, it's this thought process of they're definitely not as strong as they made themselves seem, you know, they were all, all bark, no bite. Uh, 
and and we're seeing that. And because of that, the only thing I could see out of it on their side of things is if they're really trying to push that option. Yeah. Or, I mean, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. We know they've been talking. We know Russia has been meeting more regularly with like, like Iran, for example. And that was something that just came out this week is the fact that they are now on the verge of making their own nuclear weapons. Uh, gee, Dude, Iran's, Iran's been on the verge of making their own nukes since before you and I were born. Here's why I don't worry about Iran getting nukes. Israel will not, regardless of what we will or won't do, Israel will not allow it. Israel will Israel will bomb the snot out of them before they'll let it happen. They did it. They, they did it. There's the truth in that. <laughs> They've they, done they, it. They, they, they did it to Iraq with U.S.-made <laughs> F-16s. Israel doesn't play because Iran gets a nuke and Israel's the first to go. They oh, yeah. do not play. Israel won't allow it. We shouldn't. We shouldn't. But they won't. Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. You are you are right there. Uh, they they won't they won't play that game. They'll yeah. they'll they'll, they'll kind of squash it before anything. Yeah, dude. If if Kim Jong Un was playing his games in the Middle East, Israel would have flattened that dude long ago. <laughs> nope, nope. Yeah, if the word no pension about it, you know no no yeah no. yeah let the word Zionist start leaving his mouth and watch his world train change drastically overnight. Israel does not play. <laughs> they can't afford yeah. to. You know someone else that that does typically play, but seems to be taking some notes off of America, and, and it actually makes me proud. Even Canada, have you have you heard some of the stuff that's happening with Canada? Like that they're starting to take some 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 key notes here from from us, and it's exciting. Maybe not so much for you guys. You are very removed. We're right on the we're right on the border with them. I have yeah. friends. I'm like wanting to sometime this winter go up into Canada and visit some friends that live up there. Like they're right there. You know, I have my my enhanced driver's license that you don't even need a passport. You just use your driver's yeah. license to go over into Canada. Um, but they they've started kind of taking some cues from us finally, and it's exciting. Um, I think that the biggest one that made me exciting or it made me excited is is. Trudeau, for for those of you that don't know um, or pay attention to it, was doing this uh, gun surrender order for all of Canada, which is bonkers. I mean, it's absolutely bonkers uh, of the expectations. And now you have these provinces that are actually standing up and refusing. Uh, there's three of them. Um, Good. They're further over in West Coast area or whatever, but they're actually standing up and they're informing these these officials in Canada and the Canadian government that, no, we're not going to stand with this anymore. We're, we're going to now resist your expectations of us and, and do our own thing. And, uh, man, that's exciting to, yeah. to actually see yeah. some, some – yeah. Country or some provinces standing up for their own rights, man. It's Trudeau like, hey. Trudeau is such a slimy little weasel, and they've been such a nightmare throughout COVID. Such a nightmare. I felt so bad. I, I do, and I don't feel bad for the people up there. I'm a believer in, uh, you know, particularly in any type of democratic-style government. Uh, you know, well, really beyond that, at any given time, as a populace, we have the government we deserve. Even mm -hmm. if even if you're you're living under some tyrant like that, you haven't gotten together and risen up, and and taken the hits to deal with that. You've got the government that you deserve. You know, you just do. So to some extent, like Canada, vote better, and you don't have to deal with a, you know, a slimy little pretty boy uh, like that. But I mean, you know, like they've just been headed down the wrong path for forever. I mean, you look at the, the like what drove Jordan Peterson from Canada. 
and mm-hmm. all all the you know the crap with their their regulations around pronouns and all this woke stuff where like Jordan Peterson's issue wasn't like you know Jason you decide that you're Juliet he's not saying I'm not going to call you Juliet it's that uh, being uh, compelled to track with pronouns by force of law he's like I'm not no I'm you're not going to compel right, speech right. from me I'm not going to do that um, and it's funny that, you know, Jordan Peterson's held up as this, you know, fascist right wing, you know, incel leader now, like he's not a conservative, he's not a right wing guy, right? He never, he never was, but you look at like with, with Bill Maher, you know, it's like, you see these people who aren't conservative righty people, but like the, the party shifts left. And the next thing, you know, you're right of center. You're like, I didn't change anything about what I believe. Right, you right. guys just went bonkers and went way over there, and I'm not going with you. Yeah, yeah. And even even with the crazy thing is, is is a lot of these people were left leaning or or liberal leaning or whatever, and the fact that it has just so drastically swung that direction that it did, like you said, it kind of corrected the wrong direction or whatever. So much so that they are now kind of finding themselves right in the middle of the road understanding and seeing and then even speaking out against which is encouraging honestly that that people are waking up to the lunacy of a lot of this stuff that's that's taking place like how crazy have things gotten when bill maher sounds like a conservative yeah yeah that's... when you look at like joe rogan gets painted as this big right-wing conservative guy all the time and joe's super liberal i actually didn't know that i, I don't I haven't followed him much uh, uh, particularly um, like socially, he's a he's a pretty liberal guy. It was really interesting seeing uh, what's his name, the the CEO from Babylon B, uh, like really like hold his ground and stand up to Joe on abortion. And I don't think he flipped Joe's like he changed Joe's mind. Mm-hmm. But by the time he was done, you could see Joe was questioning his position. Like saw, like Joe thought he had him. He's like my my fourteen year old daughter. Uh, gets impregnated by rape and you're going to tell her she has to have her baby. You understand you can't do that, right? You understand you can't do that. Like Joe Rogan goes at people hard, particularly when he, he believes the facts are on his side. Yeah. And, and gosh, I wish I could remember his name right now. I could look it up, but I'm not gonna, but uh, the dude from the Babylon Bee, it's a great episode. Listen to the podcast, uh, but just goes, listen, Joe, here's the deal. I just don't think a murder solves a rape. I don't, and, and and just went back at him with with some facts and you know started to question you know what about these people who are the products of of failed abortions or the mom was very close to aborting and decided not to and you're going to tell them they they shouldn't have existed because of that rape like you know and just w- walked him really logically through the process and it really backed back Joe down which is not an easy thing to do uh, especially yeah, when he came in th- yeah when he came in that adamant that, that he was right. So, um, but yeah, like Rogan gets painted as this right wing nut job these days. And he's not, that's not who he is politically, socially, or otherwise. That's he's a, he's a capitalist. He's a hunter. He's a gun guy. He, he really is like part of the problem we get into is trying to shove everybody into these two different columns and not everybody's, I, I don't fit perfectly in one most, of those columns. Most people don't, most people yeah. don't fit into either one of them. Like I'm not, I'm a uh, talk about it on here a lot. Like I'm, I'm not lockstep with the Republican party. I'm not, I'm, I'm registered as a Republican solely so I can participate in my state's mm-hmm. primaries. I'm not a Republican. I'm a conservative. Yeah. With, with seeing, a healthy dash of libertarianism. 
And you're seeing just this this chasm grow wider and wider, uh, which is leaving more and more people kind of with their heads Almost. spinning. Yeah. Um, you have up here, you know, I was kind of talking about good old Gretch the Wretch um, and, and how she's been trying to push these things through and make these things happen on the, on the other end of that spectrum, that far leaning spectrum. Uh, she's trying to push in this new proposition up here, um, specifically on abortion and stuff that's just so radically, like we've seen some of the stuff in, in like New York and in California, and, and she's trying to do the same thing here where they're like uh, trying to remove the fact that it has to be a doctor that's providing the abortion. Anyone's, anyone's allowed to now provide this abortion. Uh, there's, there's no law that says this. There's full-term abortion is, is on this docket that's part of this proposition. And um, there's all these things, and man, they're, they're so good at twisting words to, to hinder people from understanding, and they're so good at adding so much extra garbage to it, so they'll have you looking to your right when they're stabbing you in the back with their left, you know, and uh, you just, you see it so much that that just takes place, and it's just going, that chasm is just continuing to grow more and more and more, and, and leaving people, like I said, just with your head spinning because of it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that's a, a nice tie-in, bringing us all the way back around to uh, you might not be into politics, but politics is into you. And uh, I had a story I wanted to share on that as a prime example of this, and 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 this is a bigger platform to do this. We've had yeah. up here, we're, we're a big military area. There's actually a National Guard base that's like 15 minutes from here. You get to hear literally bombings and stuff as they're doing practice runs and shooting mortars. And uh, you even hear small arms fire and stuff on, on clear days and stuff uh, in my backyard. Like you'll hear it and it's my miles and miles away or whatever, but we'll have warthogs and C one thirties and C 17s and stuff flying over and Chinooks just had a Chinook fly over yesterday. And uh, so you see that stuff all the time as they're doing all their practices and all that type of stuff. In fact, this area where we live, it is the the area that the National Guard uses and the Army uses for their practices for winter weather incursions. So this is where they do it, is right where I live, right? So you have a lot of that. Well, they'll literally close down whole big, like thousands upon thousands of acres and stuff when they're doing these practice runs with other countries even. They'll have 20-plus countries at a time coming into the area, right? Uh, so you have you have all of that stuff going on. And... Uh, Man, I completely forgot where I was going. What were we talking about? <laughs> uh, politics and politics yeah, being politics. into you. So, yeah, that's what it was. <laughs> so it, we have a lot of people in the military uh, that are that are here in this area. And and I've talked to uh, several of them that are even, I would say, even strong conservatives, uh, not necessarily Republicans, but strong conservatives. And and they have this thought process of looking because they see the greater picture of voting on on a big national scale and how it seems like you don't matter. You're just an ant and the billions of ants that are out there, but how much it matters on, on the personal and smaller level of your, your townships and your villages and all of that type of stuff. And we had, um, it's probably about a year and a half ago or two years ago, we had a vote that was a local vote that was specific as they were trying to legalize recreational use of marijuana and allowing these shops, pot shops and stuff to be built in the area and to be uh, thriving in the area. And, and that vote literally ended up passing by 14 votes in, in our county, 14 votes yeah. in our county. And, and I, I went back to this guy that, that at that point, he was like the head recruiter uh, for, for, a, for, uh, for one of the branches. And I'm talking to him and I'm like, man, I said 14 people, 14 people. I was like, you're telling me there weren't 14 people like you 
They were like, yeah, my vote doesn't matter. That could have literally swayed that vote. And, and when it comes to your, your towns and, and your communities, it's such a staggering difference of what that vote really does matter. So get out there and vote. Get out there and vote. It is imperative. Get out there and vote your beliefs. Get out there and vote the, the way that you, you think you need to be voting. Um, and, and I'm going to say this because I know you guys all know I'm pastor. We've brought that up before. And while I can't tell you who to vote for, I can tell you vote for what the word of God says. God, God knows what he's talking about. Who's word of God, Pastor? <laughs> the the one no, and only I, yeah, word of God. No, I, I agree, but it you know, it's uh, it's a that's it's a it's a whole other it's a whole other can of worms. So yeah, I I I, I agree with you there. But uh it's uh too too much uh public policy getting uh intermingled in uh in with our, our scripture these these days to uh, muddy the waters and uh oh, I, Jesus I say manipulated and into it that's that's the yeah. problem is it's it's a manipulation uh it's not the root it's not it's not the the purpose behind it it's the yeah. manipulation that right. people are using as as a, a scapegoat to yeah. push their agendas well what what annoys me and i and i should rap but i i can't let this go without uh without <laughs> tagging onto this and it's my podcast so whatever um you know what annoys me is um you know weaponizing uh, Jesus weaponizing his teachings, um, politically. <clears throat> and I mean that in the sense of, oh, uh, you know, you know, Jesus taught, teaches you to care for the poor and teach, Jesus teaches, and, and it's what, what happens is, um, as, as a Christian, our, our belief as Christians and what, what the Bible teaches is an individual it is a very personal individual relationship with God and what you don't find in in scripture old or new correct me if I'm wrong here pastor because I'm not a pastor just a thinker um what you don't find is um direction and commandments for for governments and for groups of people what you find is direction and commandments and challenges and expectations for individual you are not going to go to hell as a group you'll have plenty of company uh, and you're not going to get into heaven with a group either one way or the other you're going based on your own ma- uh, merits and so yes does does Jesus tell me to to uh, you know weep with those who weep? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Am I supposed to care for the the widow and the orphan? Uh, absolutely. Um, you know, are am I supposed to be charitable? Yes, I am. Uh, but I'm not supposed to outsource this, those things to the government because I can't get credit for those things as a group, and it's impossible for me to be charitable with someone else's money. And if my neighbor doesn't want to take care of the widow and the orphan and and, and the downtrodden, there's nothing in Scripture that says I should compel them to do so. I should set the example, I should share the gospel, and then they make their own choice. That's the whole point, the whole basis of Christianity is choice. The story of the Garden of Eden, which you probably know whether you're a Christian or not, is choice. That's the whole point, because our relationship with God wouldn't matter if we were compelled to have a relationship with I, I will say this, though, especially, especially, specifically, rather, when it comes to, to voting and, and the ways that you should vote, is the Bible is also very clear on this ebb and flow that continue to happen from the very beginning of it all the way to the very end of it. 
is is you have a people group, and this is where you get that group. It is a, it, all of it is about personal choice, uh, but you have people groups, and when people groups fall away from, you see that then reap destruction because of of moving away from that direction and heading that it should be, and that happens by who you vote for, because if you are voting in a way that is a biblical, anti biblical. At that point, you're literally voting in policies and procedures into a com- into a country that is taking people away from that, that is breeding that. You see that, and, and, and up here I have a very different perspective because our world up here is not like what we had experienced down in Florida or anywhere else for that matter, even downstate. Up here, the numbers of people that literally don't even know or have not even, there are large numbers of people believe it or not, that have not even heard the name of Jesus or know what a Bible is, have never seen a Bible. There, there are teachers that have stories talking about this stuff. Uh, we had we had a back-to-school bash that we just had here uh, when school was starting back up last month, and, and there were four kids that had literally never heard the name of Jesus before. And what ends up happening is you have people that step away from a church, step away from that belief structure, step away from that, and then their kids grow up with that, and that's what they continue pushing. And then their kids, it takes three generations, they say, typically, for that portion to be erased, where there is a, there's not even an understanding of it because they're not hearing it. It's not brought to them. It's not in their circle of and uh, sphere of influence. They're not hearing those things. And when you have kids that out of, out of a class of 25 students that only one child's ever seen a Bible before or knows what a Bible is, these are commonplace things up here in the United States of America. And the way that that happens is by people removing themselves from that situation. And it just causes this constant uh, growing snowball effect where it moves away from that. And, and we've seen it time and time again. You read it time and time again in the Bible. And that's why I say it's so important to, to keep that direction heading by your vote. In, in accordance to the Word of God. Yes, but here's the nuance that gets lost in that message, and this is what I have a problem with. Yes, vote your values. Vote your values. Absolutely. But here's the problem. I have, I have a value of being charitable. I am a charitable family. I, I'm the head of a charitable household. We give a lot. Um, we'd give more if so much of it wasn't going to taxes, but we still give a lot. Um, but so, and... Um, can I can I support being charitable? Is, is as as a Christian, does God expect me to be charitable? Yeah, absolutely. I think you can back that up with Scripture all day long. The problem is when that gets equated with so politically, I should support welfare programs. No, that is not charitable. Right, you choice. can't be charitable with somebody else's money. So I can't take money from you against your will to give to someone else, no matter how great their need is and how good my intention is. It's still theft when I take it from you. And what a program like a welfare does is force my belief in being charitable on my neighbor. And it's using that belief, that that individual commandment, that individual expectation that I believe exists from God for me to be charitable and puts that on my neighbor, whether they like it or not, and tries to disguise the theft that is still there underlying in the program. And that's where you've got to think through these things beyond the bumper sticker. 
oh, Christians are supposed to be charitable. So yeah, let's vote to support the welfare program that helps the, helps the people that are down on their luck. No, vote against the welfare program. Stop funneling that money through the government who's going to take their cut, their pound of flesh before they pass it on and give it to your church or better yet, get to know your neighbors. And when one's in need, help them directly and the government doesn't get a cut. Do that's that. That's what I was saying. There's that manipulation for yeah. their agenda. That's that's the issue with it, is is the manipulation in that use because they know that these key words are what's going to get them votes, yeah. and that also goes back to my original statement of why I hate politics. Yeah, got to be so, a part of it. You got to do it. Yeah. But man, yeah. in, it's in infuriating. Vote- yeah, vote your values, but think that through beyond the the bumper sticker statement. Think that through beyond the side of a of coffee mug and think, oh, is is where is welfare charitable? Is it charitable for me to take money from someone else by force, whether they like it or not, just because my intended purpose for that money is good? Well, it's, it's the it. fact that we have freedom that gives us the reward because you chose correctly. That's that's the whole point of of what scripture even talks about. There is a reward for you. Should you choose wisely? Should you choose the right direction? It's it's freedom of choice that that people again are manipulating and twisting and forcing that decision upon people, and that's the issue. And that's what welfare does: is it forces that upon you. You have to pay the taxes for it, whether you like it or not. And and that's not you know we're we're a small church up here in comparisons to what we have experienced down there. Yet twenty plus percent of of anything that comes into this church is going to charities and going to missions and going to those things. And I don't say that as a, a, a gloating thing. I say that is because that's how we're supposed to be. That is no. what we're supposed to do. But we don't force people to do that. That is a part of what they get to sow into. It is an opportunity that you can be a part of this. And because you do this of your free will, of that volition, that's why you see things work out the way that they do. Yeah. And I'll, I'll throw this out there before we wrap too, because uh, I pride myself on the podcast being intellectually honest and calling balls and strikes. And I'm more than happy to call out my own. I'll tell you this right now, if the church in America was doing its job, we wouldn't need welfare programs. Absolutely. Absolutely. If we were doing our job, there would not be a need for welfare programs. So, uh, you know, I'm not just down on the man. The church needs to step step up. And, and again, it's a catch 22. Uh, you know, if the, if the church had more resource, if more, if more of that money that's going to taxes could go into the church, maybe we could do more too. So, you know, there's, there's a chicken and egg thing there, but there, there's culpability all around and, uh, sermon sermon ended. We'll step down off our soapbox because <laughs> it's, it's getting late, both, uh, literally as we record and figuratively in the length of the podcast, Jason, I love you, brother. Thank you for coming back on. Thank you for being so too, was awesome. So flexible around the, the loss of internet and everything. I, we moved our recording day and time, and uh, you were very gracious and bouncing around with that. So really appreciate it. Listeners, appreciate you stick, sticking with us through uh, through all of that. And uh, if you haven't already, go go check out the uh, the Roundup episode on Blood Origins. I had a lot of fun with those guys. If you enjoyed um, you know, the hunting talk uh, on, on this episode, you'll really like the Blood Origins guys. Even if, you know, if you're not a supporter of hunting, I think you would enjoy their content. So uh, go check them out. But always appreciate you listening. Always appreciate the support. Of course, be sure to let Jack Carr know that you heard about the Terminal List uh, here on the Solid 7 podcast, but do it politely. Uh, and uh, you can find out more about the podcast uh, on our website, solid7podcast.com, solid, the number 7podcast.com. There's always links 
to the latest episode of the podcast, uh, upcoming events, always, always some good causes on there. You can uh, find our social media there. You can even, as Jason has done, become a Patreon supporter where uh, you uh, get some bonus content here soon. I think I'm going to stick with this new recording platform, uh, in which case I will be opening up some of the recordings for our uh, $10 Patreon supporters to listen in live as we record. So an extra benefit uh, coming there soon. I've been really happy with Riverside as a, as a recording platform for remotes. Uh, but at the $10 level, you also get a better than ever average coffee mug from which you can drink the beverage of your choice, though I highly recommend Jacko Go. Tastes extra good out of a Solid 7 podcast mug. But uh, go there. If you haven't already, uh, subscribe, follow the podcast on your medium of choice. Write us a review. Give us a thumbs up, five stars. That tells those evil little algorithms to tell other people about us, and that's uh, a big, big help. Jason, any, anything with the people for the people before we go? No, this is awesome, man. I love being on here. Uh, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of what you're doing, and I love that I get to be a part. Yeah, happy to have you on, man. Listeners, if you enjoyed this, Jason, uh, this was not his first rodeo, and it won't be his last. Go back. Episodes 55 and 56 uh, were both... Uh, Jason Shorey, and uh, he'll be back here before you know it. So appreciate you, brother. Listeners, we love you. Stay safe. See you next time. We're See out. You. The Solid 7 Podcast is a proud affiliate of GORUCK. GORUCK designs and builds the toughest gear on the planet, tested and proven at thousands of GORUCK events held all over the world and led by current and former Special Forces combat veterans. The GORUCK brand stands for Building Better Americans, the Special Forces way of life, and a life-or-death approach to building the world's toughest gear. Visit Solid7Podcast.com and click on the GORUCK link to learn more about their gear and events. And a portion of every purchase and every event registration you make will go to support us here at the Solid 7 Podcast. (laughs) 